We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And a pleasant good afternoon to everyone out there in YouTube and Facebook land, as well as uh, podcast land. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is our uh, branded publisher of (laughs) irishbreakdown.com. That's uh, Brian Driscoll over there rocking the polo shirt, rocking the trucker hat, rocking the mug. (laughs) I mean, it is IB all the time, and I love every second of it. Um, But today, Brian... We are going to dive right back into our post sprint. Oh. You want to explain to people why we're late? Oh yeah, good call. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> besides me eating my Polito's pizza, finishing that up, which real quick by the way, the show friggin' amazing. Even though I've already yeah. eaten lunch, it still looked amazing, uh, which was very mean. Uh, but anyway, uh, we Brian did just tweet out a story about uh, Notre Dame being at full capacity this fall, which I think we all anticipated. But now that we actually have the word, that is good mm-hmm. news. Um, all 78,000 and change people, I think is what it is now, will be allowed. They're going to you know, have their normal lottery. It's just going to take place a lot later. I think it's going to be middle of July when they're going to do everything. So um, they are in- they've asked. They've also said, too, because this is a question I get asked a lot, is they are not mandating vaccines. They just encourage right. people to be fully vaccinated, but it's not something where they're they're mandating that you be fully vaccinated. And, and really what that means, and let's be honest, it's about me. Uh, it means I can watch games in the press box sitting next to Brian, which Hopefully. Yeah. we haven't done in yeah. years, really. Well, I mean, we've never done as 
co-workers. Correct. We've always done yeah. it as just buddies kind of sitting beside each other watching yeah. the game. Yeah, I would we you'd last uh in in 2019, you were kind of on the other end of the row and I, anything to any time anything would happen, I would kind of like jog down. I'm like I could hear you running too. You yeah. had a little short Italian steps coming at me, yeah. you know. <laughs> and I you know scare you because you had headphones in and um Well, I was telling we, people about the couple times that we've sat beside each other at games, um how when something big would happen, you'd start punching me in the leg. I'm sorry. I don't know if I want to sit by Vince this year. That's fair. I mean, that, that's fair. It's either you or Sean Styers is usually the yeah. one that gets the brunt punching. But, uh, but yeah. So I, but I did get to sit next to Lou Samoji that year yeah. in 2019, which was unbelievable with the mm-hmm. man of that, with the font of knowledge. And that is mm-hmm. one, one season I will absolutely never forget because when I would write my post game story and all my information, I would just be like, Hey, Lou, uh, what about this? And he, I wouldn't have to look yeah. it up. It was I only awesome. sat by Lou for a couple games all yes. the years that we worked together. Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Lou is a wonderful man, but he is also a very loud typer. Yes. And then if you want to make Brian mad, type not mad. It's not mad. It's just I have very, I'm very sensitive to sounds. My mom, yes. for still to this day, I'm like, she's like, why do you let those things bother you? And I was like, do you think that's a choice? <laughs> like, <laughs> I like to be annoyed. My wife would probably say yes, but uh, I don't like to be annoyed. But I think it's funny. we do have a topic we want to get to. We do. We have a topic. We're not just gonna, you know, uh shoot the bull here for everybody, although I'm sure some people would enjoy that. Um we I wouldn't. No. <laughs> Let's get right, to football, enough. baby. Come on, I mean, <laughs> We are gonna talk about the running back position today coming out of spring practice in the spring game. And um we, we have a lot to talk about with this group. Obviously. Um, this is another group and, and we've already, we talked about the quarterback room. We talked about the defensive line room, both rooms that we both feel are deep, um, where we feel the depth chart is what is going to make this group, you know, what it is. And I, I think that trend continues, um, Mm -hmm. as we move into talking, excuse me, about the running backs. Clearly, Brian, this, this room is just absolutely loaded with talent from top to bottom, whether you're talking about the quote unquote starter and Kyron Williams uh, and I use air quotes because I feel like you could start Kyron or Chris Tyree. You could start them both together, which we will talk about. Um, but it's absolutely loaded with talent. And Sebo Flemister is not exactly a pushover. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he could be starting for so many teams out there, um, even on Notre Dame's schedule. Uh, but he's and the he third could also man. find himself getting beat out by a couple freshmen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about Kyron and Chris and and Sebo, and then we're gonna talk about those freshmen as well. Uh, moving forward, but Brian, let's just start with this top to bottom, absolutely loaded with talent. Oh, big time. I mean, you know, it's funny, Vince. What was it 2019? We were going into the season, and, and running back was arguably the biggest question mark on the entire yes. football team. You know, you had Tony yep. Jones, and then after that, it was like, I don't know what you have after that. Yeah, Jameer Smith and Sebo were, I believe, redshirt freshmen that season. Kyron Williams is a true freshman. We didn't see much of them. I think the production ended up being pretty good from Tony Jones Jr. Had a really good year when he was healthy. But then when he got banged up, the running game, the run game and the running back production just kind of plummeted. And they suffered from what was really Mm -hmm. several years of just uh, underwhelming recruiting. We'll just say that. Agreed. But, you know, Kyron Williams is is better than they thought he was going to be. Let's be honest about that. He was not an initial guy they went after coming out of high school. There was other running backs they went after. He's a lot better than I thought he was going to be. Uh, well, and he, he he flashed in what the spring game of 2019. His first spring because he was an early enrollee, right? Yeah, 2019, and, and his first spring. He, he got impressive. He got some touches, and I don't have the box score in front of me, but I remember thinking to myself, 
wow, this kid's actually yeah. really good. And I mean, we saw it throughout the spring, too. It yes. wasn't even just the spring a- game. Absolutely. You know, he, right. He flashed. Uh, he was a better runner than I thought he was going to be. Because the problem with Kyra coming to high school is he was a receiver for longer in high school than he was a running back. And and so his senior year was really his first full year playing running back. And so he certainly has made has made some jumps. But sure, you know, you look at him, he obviously panned, he's panned out. Chris Tyree was a big time recruit that they were able to land. They missed out on their their the guy they wanted in the 2021 class. Right. But they did a great job of rebounding and got Audric Estime and and uh and Logan Diggs. So they've been able to bounce back and just like that. Notre Dame has completely restocked its depth chart, and they're in the process of continuing to do that. They already have Jadarian Price committed in the 2022 class. They're trying to recruit another running back into the 2022 class. I think two of classes is pretty good. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I, you're the recruiting I, I guy. I think after but, this, they can get back to one, one most stud. years. Okay. One most years, yeah. But, you know, the other thing is in the future, I'd like to see more two running back situations where the second running back is a guy that – maybe as a, a versatile guy that could play multiple positions. And right now I don't I that's not necessarily what they did in the 2021 class or the 2022 class because they True. they still need to restock the actual running back depth chart. Right. You're pro, you're probably going to lose Kyron Williams after this year, which we'll get into. There's a chance, yeah. I mean there's a there's a good chance Evo Flemister doesn't come back in 2022 by his choice or the school's choice. So you know you need to you need to really stock the depth chart and and they've done it and they've done yes. it quickly and that's the big thing for me Vince they they did it in a in a hurry now to sure. where now it's like you were almost assuming that the running back depth chart is going to be phenomenal this year yeah now and and I think what makes this group so good is how you can use them right and and I think you and I are both excited about. What we've seen from you know the little bit we saw of spring practice, and then of course the spring game, you know the versatility is the mm-hmm. best word really for it. Right. I mean, you can you can put them in the backfield, you can put them in the slot, you can move them around. I mean, there's so many things you can do with this group of running backs, um, and and specifically with the top two guys. I mean, we're we're talking about Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree, obviously, mm-hmm. um, but there's so much you can do with those two that your options are almost unlimited, um, and I think that's what gets me so excited because I do feel and hope, uh, you know, that that the offensive philosophy and Tommy Reese specifically uh, can be and is creative with the way he wants to call plays and the way he wants mm-hmm. to put things together. And I'm excited to see because when you've got something like this, when you've got two running backs who are as versatile as those two guys are, there's no drop-off depending on right. who's in the game or if you've got both of them in the game. And, and how creative that you can be with your play calling and with your formations and things of that nature. So I think we're really going to see just how creative Tommy mm-hmm. Reese can be or how creative he's allowed to be. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, and, and you talk about versatility and creativity and all that, Vince. And the thing I like about mm-hmm. it is Kyron and Chris can do everything that the other one can do. Right. Absolutely. But not necessarily in the same order of strength. Sure. They can both run inside. They can both run outside. They can both catch the ball out of the backfield. They can both catch the ball lined up outside, and they can both be effective in the screen game, but but not necessarily in the same order. So, like, as I was kind of jotting down some notes as you were talking, Vince, I look at Kyron, and I think, you know, Kyron in the pass game, number one, most effective and or most dangerous, lining up in the slot or outside. 
because he he does have that receiver background. And runs yeah, routes run like routes. a receiver. Yes, exactly. Catches, tracks the ball downfield like a receiver. And we saw a little bit of that last year. I think we're going to see even more of that this year. Then number two, I think him out of the backfield. I'd like to see them do more with him. But, you know, we saw the swing pass where he caught the swing and just outran Bo Bauer. And, and he's able to be effective in those areas because he does catch the ball so cleanly. And that's something that really worked for Tony Jones Jr. and allowed him to make some big plays in the pass game because he could track the ball down the field. He could ke- he was such a clean pass catcher that, sure. he, you know, a lot of running backs kind of got to focus on catching it first, then take off. Tony could just take it and go. And so when you look at that, you say that's an area where Kyron can be very effective. And then third is the screen game, right? Those are the three primary ways in which you use a running back. With Chris Tyree, I think he's more of a traditional running back in the pass game, meaning he's first and foremost effective out of the backfield and in the screen game. And then third is you can use him in sure. in the slot and outside. Makes a lot of sense, yeah. You know, it, in their film, if you go back and watch Chris Tyree's junior film, they would line him up outside. There was a, a play, he caught a fade route for a big play in high school. So he also can do that, but he's not quite to the level that Kyron Williams is. So the fact that they can both do everything, but mm-hmm. they are, you know, if you were to rank them, Chris is better here, Kyron's better there. There is some of that complementary complementary nature to them that, to, to your point, gives Tyree so much flexibility because you don't just have to have Kyron. Like, I think we all kind of have this vision of when they're in two backs, you're going to see Kyron outside a lot and Chris Tyree in the backfield. I think we could see a healthy dose of the other one too because mm-hmm. I think of, you know, Kyron being able to run actual pass routes, but then I think about, you know, Chris Tyree can do that to a degree, but then I think about, you know, an RPO where you're going to just bang a hitch route to Chris Tyree or you're going to throw a bubble screen to Chris Tyree or you're going to throw a look screen to Chris Tyree where you got to really worry about Kyron Williams being that lead back. You might get the defense to bite a little bit more on the box with Kyron in the backfield and Chris Tyree outside sure. than vice versa. And some teams may do that. So it just gives them so much potential to maximize the, the value of that position. And here's the other part of it, Vince. There's a lot. There's there's going to be a lot of pressure on the running back group this year because of its potential, and it's not just about you know the offensive line isn't where it needs to be. Meaning, sure. uh, there's going to take some time for the offensive line to get going. So the backs have to be able to maximize whatever yards are there. They have to be good in pass and all that kind of stuff. But also, the other part of it is if this group is as good as we think it's going to be. I mean, there's some scenarios in which you could have three running backs on the field at a time. Hear me out on this. Let's just say you got Logan Diggs or Andre Gustamay or Sebo Flemister, and you know, let's say you've got you're you're a little uncertain. You've got some injuries at receiver, or just want to throw some different wrinkles at people. You can line up with Michael Mayer outside to one side, a receiver on the other side. You could have Kyron Williams in the slot to one side, where he's basically playing the slot position. Then you've got Chris Tyree in the other slot, and then you've got one of your bigger hammerbacks in the backfield. And you say, okay, well, pick your poison. You right. know, we're going to run RPOs, we're going to run screens, we're going to do that stuff. And then with Kyron, you can run him on routes. You can motion Chris Tyree into the backfield, do different things with it. So, you know, I mean, I think that's just where where you could you could have some fun with it. And oh, and absolutely. that's where if you're Tommy Reese, you have to be careful though, because you have to figure out what is your base with those guys first. You have to find the the five or six things that you just really like with those guys that you're going to carry sure. every week before you start going too crazy with it, right? Because that's sure. the, kind of the that can be. And look, I've been there. 
you get this kid that's a really versatile and exciting player and you start doing all right. these fun things with them and you're like, okay, we forgot to make sure that we had a foundation that when it's third and two with the game on the line, we know what we can actually well, play. And, and, I, and I think the way the schedule sets up, there's no reason that they shouldn't be able to run their base stuff and get really good at it because then moving forward, once you get about you know that four or five game area, now you start throwing in the wrinkles, right? Because there's a bunch of film on the first three to four games. Now you start throwing in some of those different wrinkles, whether it's a different formation, whether it's different motions, whether it's you know putting guys in some different spots. I think that's where, of course, you're still going to run your base stuff, but now you start throwing a little bit extra out there, mm-hmm. right? And and it allows, uh, or it doesn't allow, I should say, defenses to really hone in on mm-hmm. on what you do base wise. Right. They have to respect some of that other stuff because you're putting it on film now, right? And that's especially true with Kyron. If yeah. Kyron's as good as we think he could be this year, him and Michael Mayer are going to be the first two players that every defense says sure. we got a game plan for that and guy. Why would you not? That's absolutely In the right some thing. weeks, you're going to say, if you're Tommy Reese, okay, fine. You want to build your game plan around Kyron. Number one, it gives me as the offensive coordinator, speaking from Tommy Reese's perspective, it gives me the offensive coordinator the ability to see what you're doing, see how you're trying to take those guys out of the game, and then do things to hurt you with it. Right. Absolutely. The other part of it is, is because of the versatility that he brings and Chris Tyree brings, it doesn't have to be the same every week. Mm-hmm. There can be some games where you've got Chris Tyree maybe getting a few more carries and Kyron's touches come from outside. There's other games where, where again, you, you flip it and now it's, you know, so if like it's it's like this. So like, let's just say Notre Dame comes out against Wisconsin and they want to take advantage of their speeded. They're better on the perimeter. I was going to perimeter speed. Take advantage of their speed advantage, right? I didn't want to use the same word twice, but I didn't know what other word to throw in there. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) it's like Spina plus. I don't know, whatever. Yeah, whatever. So you say, okay, so you're going to have Kyron outside, and you're going to have some matchups to where you know they're kind of a three-four team. You want to get them out of the personnel, or you want to get if you think in two back, you know. So if you go twenty twenty-two person, or excuse me, if you go. It'd be um, it'd be twenty one personnel, right? Two, Two backs, backs, one, one tight, tight end, end, right? Yeah. So if you want to go twenty one personnel, I'm having a rough, I'm still thinking about that pizza, so I'm having some I don't trouble blame remembering you. things. I don't blame but you. But if you uh, if you want to go twenty one personnel against Wisconsin, there's a good chance they're going to stay in their base three four defense. Well, then that gives you some opportunities, maybe with Kyron Williams outside to to do some different things, and and maybe he catches nine or ten balls that game. And then you as Tommy Reese, you go back in the off say, well, okay, I guarantee you that USC and North Carolina are going to be prepared for that now. So then the next time you get out there, you're like, you don't put Kyron Williams out there. He's your back. You do different things with him. And so it's hard for teams to get your tendencies down when you right. have this kind of versatility because you can match up against what allows you to take advantage of those other players. But I go back to the original point I was making, Vince, which is it takes a lot of pressure off your number two tight end your receiving depth chart, and your offensive line if both of those kids step up and make plays on a consistent basis. And I think, you know, one of them I think we're confident in. The other one still has some things to prove. But I think if you – I'm confident, and we're going to dive into individual players, but I'm as confident as I could be that that barring injury that this group is going to produce. I think it's going to look a little different than it did last year. I but I think this group is going to produce. Well, and and of course, the big question mark is what is the O-line going to look like 
And what is that going to do to our excitement about the running backs, right? Because if there's mm-hmm. no line, it's gonna be really difficult for the running backs to do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. I would argue that the success of the running backs can take a little bit of pressure mm-hmm. off of the offensive line and allow those guys to grow up together mm-hmm. uh, and get better. Uh, I, I, I just feel like with the versatility of the running back room, being able to get the ball outside, you know, yes, there's still going to be some power run game stuff. Don't get sure. me wrong. That is absolutely going to be there. It should always be a part of what Notre Dame does. Always, always. And you're only going to get better as an offensive line by doing those things. Right. I mean, that, that, well, that's just, just who Notre is. Dame is. I mean, you, you absolutely. You, you don't want to change your identity. Absolutely. Right. So, but I do believe with how talented this running back or how talented we believe uh, this running back room can be, I think it takes pressure off the offensive line. Um, but there's still going to be some growing pains. There mm. will be. There, there, there's no question. Um, but I like, like we saw in the spring game, there was a couple of times where there was nothing there uh, for mm. the running back. And they were able to bounce it or they were able to make a cut here or there and make something happen. Yeah, I could see that happening in the first few and, games. And, and that's where I think you talk about – we talk on defense. We talk about, you know, when you talk about Fitch, you know, you got to make the other guy right. RPOs are designed right. to make your offense right. But I think when you have talented backs, there's an, an, an aspect to that. As good as this as the offensive line was last year, there were times they were just simply outnumbered in the box. And Correct. Kyron had to wait instead of making a guy missed. Yeah. And I think if one of his <clears throat> one of his longer runs against Florida State was that way, Janarius Robinson, who got drafted, I believe, comes screaming off the edge, and it's just him and Kyron Williams in the backfield, and he just makes a miss like easily, right. yeah. and and runs for you know I think well I think it was like fifteen twenty yards maybe. And and there are plays by the way when when plays are being uh, designed uh, by offensive coordinators mm-hmm. and things of that nature, sometimes the there's a guy that's unaccounted for. Yeah, and if the they back, go X number in the box, yeah, right, you can't block right. that. It, it just so is what it is. So the running back out of that, or somebody's got to make somebody miss, and, yeah. and that's a that's initially why the read zone was created. It was to put that extra overhang defender in in a bind to where Correct. you had to then overload the box, which then made your pass game more effective, or made you you know you couldn't be as hard to flow to the call yep. side because you had to respect that quarterback run. And then the, the RPOs eventually replaced the read zone because as a lot of coaches said, you know what, our quarterbacks are pretty valuable. Maybe we don't want to have them taking 25 Running. shots a game yeah. if they're not <laughs> built like Tim Tebow. Right. You know, <clears throat> or they're not like Lamar Jackson who can just make people but it, miss and doesn't yeah. get a lot of clean shots. You know, yeah, so, the RPO was well, absolutely and an then how do that. you do that if you don't have that kind of athlete a quarterback? If you don't have Brandon Wimbush a quarterback, how can you be effective, you know, with those kind of things? And that's a lot of where the RPOs came from. It's just sure. more ways to put teams into binds, into because what a defense is trying to do to you offensively is they want to get more players to the point of attack or have you out leveraged to where you want to go, right? That's right. ultimately the goal of the defense. Sure. If you want to run here, we want to make sure we have more players there and, and assignment sound football than you have. And as an offense, your goal is to find ways where we can outnumber or out leverage the defense, right? If that's the chess game that's happening. I mean, if, yep. if I can wrap up football into a, as simple as possible, that's the chess game. Yes. I want to have more dudes here than you have dudes, right? And I got to figure out how to manipulate you into doing that, yep. you know? Motions and, and formations right. and whatever, yeah. Play fakes and all, and all those type of things. All so, of it. You know, when, when you have when you have an inexperienced offensive line, talented as it is, there's going to be some mistakes that are made. Sure. And, you know, you you know you have one running back that can make guys miss when those mistakes happen. 
what we saw in the blue gold game was Chris Tyree doing the same thing, right? Which we didn't necessarily see him do as a freshman. You know, he was more of a because he didn't get a lot of opportunities to do as a freshman. That's yeah, Um, exactly. Because as we saw, when he was getting consistent carries in the blue Mm -hmm. gold game, we saw him do those kind of things, and so that's where you get encouraged by it. And you know, we saw we've seen Sebo do it because he'll just run you over. Uh, And and then I think Logan Diggs is another guy that that has the ability to do that. So I, I I think there's some there's some unique make you miss ability here that's going to be very important when you think about the fact that when you have a young offensive line as talented as Notre Dame is, and I don't mean young as much as I mean inexperienced, it's going to be young in a couple spots, but the rest of the guys are juniors, seniors, and fifth year guys, right? But when, when you have as much inexperience there, it's not going to be three guys getting beat on a play, right? Like that's not what the offensive line struggles are going to look like. Vince, you and I know this, it's going to be more and and the people in this chat know that because they are smart football people because they've been paying attention. Absolutely. But what's going to happen is it's not going to be three guys getting beat every play. It's going to be right. one guy, one guy, every different play. It's Correct. going to be like one different guy making a mistake every play. It, it, hyperbolically there's going to be plenty of plays where they're 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 playing well but that's usually what happens it's not like a quarterback's getting hit by four guys that only happens when you are inexperienced and don't have talent which is what hurt florida state so much right florida state's offensive line didn't suck because they were inexperienced they sucked because they had they were inexperienced and they didn't have any talent notre dame's going to have an extremely talented offensive line no matter who starts whether it's Correct. Andrew Kristoffic over Rocco Spindler or Rocco Spindler over Andrew Kristoffic whether it's Tosh Baker over Blake Fisher or Blake Fisher over Tosh Baker whatever the scenarios are you're talking about highly ranked dudes I mean here's the deal if you have a common if your starting lineup is Blake Fisher Rocco Spindler Zeke Carell Jarrett Patterson and Josh Lug the lowest ranked high school player of that group of five is Jarrett Patterson Who's their best offensive lineman? Three of those guys ranked as top 100 recruits. Josh Lug was like a top 150 kind of recruit, right? Now, again, that's just recruiting rankings. But, sure, you know, Harry Heastan proved himself to be pretty good at evaluating those kind of players. And, and I believe that Rocco Spindler and Blake Fisher are clearly those kind of players. So, I, I you know, it's it's so do you have a back that can make that one guy miss? And that's going to be the key. And, and yeah. that's why we say. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This group is going. This group playing at a high level is going to be very important to overcoming some mistakes or some inefficiencies or some injuries or, you know, they, they can make your offense right and healthy even yep. if it's not necessarily right or healthy at some certain positions. So if you if you can't do as much too tight end because there's some injuries there, guys aren't playing well. If if you have some injuries at wide receiver, which is certainly possible because it's a it's a position group that's loaded with that. 
Or if you just say, hey, we like our receivers, but we got to get Chris Tyree and Kyron Williams on the field together more. There's all types of scenarios, Vincent, where this group together could be very dynamic. And and then, of course, individ- that requires individually each player to be at his best. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Well, let's talk about these players individually, Brian, and we'll start at the top of the depth chart and we'll work our way down. Uh, so we'll start with Kyron Williams. He is the you don't you don't like my uh, sound effects. <laughs> um, so when we'll, I just took a big swig of tea <laughs> and I'm going to spit it all over my computer screen, <laughs> that would be bad. Yeah, that would um, be terrible. So let's talk about Kyron Williams. He's the returning uh, starter. He's the the big man on campus, the BMOC in mm-hmm. the backfield. So um, what do you think he needs to improve on? Because look, none of these guys are infallible. There's mm-hmm. always stuff to work on. There's always stuff to improve on. Where do you see some of those things for Kyron Williams? There's a few areas where I think Kyron Williams can improve. And that's that's the thing, Vince. I, when I look at a young player and he's a pretty good player and you say, yeah, that's about as good as he's going to be. You know, when we talk about recruiting rankings, the difference between a five-star and a and a high-ceiling guy that isn't a five-star, it, it's, it's that. The five-star guy a lot of times tends to be, as a freshman, yeah, he's kind of close to as good as he's going to be. That's what he is. Yeah, right. Right. When you look at a guy like Kyron Williams, I see a kid that's still very much learning the running back position. And his lack of experience playing running back was evident at times last year. What you saw from Kyron Williams last year was a kid who's tremendously talented, athletically, much much more explosive than I even thought he was going to be. It's not a burner. When I talk explosiveness, I mean elusiveness he's just right. plant and go redirect and, and, and it's just the go part of out of planting yeah. you know and it, it, a lot it like dexter williams right Explosion dexter williams ran a four five yeah. eight but he didn't right. play like a four five eight right right kyron's a lot like that but kyron's even more sudden than dex was from a, a, a change of direction I standpoint i agree i think you saw a kid that's obviously very natural in the past game and a kid who has really very little understanding of the technique needed to go into pass blocking, but but was able to make some big pass blocks last year simply because of his effort. And yeah, and absolutely. and so there's a lot of areas where his game can get better, technique wise and pass game. You know, being quicker to recognize who the blitzer is, and then to get out of the backfield when that blitzer doesn't come. I think that was a big problem that we've seen from the running back position group for a, for a while now is you got to have a mental clock to where if if this guy doesn't come, my eyes immediately go to that guy and he does something, then I'm out. Right. And there were too many times last year, last few years, I you know, I was uh, I referenced that I was Vince, I was watching uh, the Georgia game with with a buddy the other day. We we're watching some of the all 22 film and there was a third down play where Georgia rushes four and the tight end and the running back both stay in the backfield to help pass block. And they never left the backfield. There was nobody to block, but they just stayed back there. And so you've got seven guys in coverage against three guys running a route, and people right. are shocked that guys aren't getting open. Right. Well, that's not a receiver problem. That's a schematic problem, right? Well, then later in the game on a third and long, they, Tony Jones does a free release. They hit him over the middle. He catches it, almost splits the defense for a touchdown. And I am think- and I said to my friend, like, if that's Kyron Williams or Chris Tyree, that's six. That is a touchdown, yeah. But the point is, is, is when you get those backs out of the backfield, it, it – it, it can be effective. And when you have guys that are as dynamic as Kyron and Chris, 
you need to make sure that you really emphasize if there's not if it look if you're if the backers don't come get out yes right if the tackle gets beat let the quarterback handle that that's the quarterback's job to step into the pocket but you can't step in the pocket and then you're right there because then that's where we're going to get a sack right right so if the, it, it's it's check so essentially it's like a mic protection Vince you know this it's you're a running back you you basically you're scanning from the mic out to the side of the call right so I, I pre snap I see the mic right there so you know I see number forty right there and then I'm out to number fifty two and then I have, you have to be careful for like you know the overhang corner right so if he wants to come so then I get my eyes on forty he's not coming I get my eyes right there he's not coming and then bam I'm out and yeah. it's got to happen quick. And that's where you get a lot of the check downs and things like that. And those are areas where I think you can steal some yards in that regards. And that's something that we just – that internal clock wasn't there for Kyron last year. Understandably so because that's not something he'd really ever done before getting to Notre Dame. Sure. I think there are some things from a a, a footwork standpoint where sometimes he just kind of went and that would get him off track a little bit. Sometimes he would not necessarily make the correct cut, which is, again – part of being a young running back who hasn't played running back for a long time. Now that he's got 200 plus carries under his belt from last season, I think those things are going to be there. So what I'm looking for is now a more efficient Kyron Williams. And that's going to add to me, just making better decisions alone is going to add two to three tenths onto his yards per carry average. Right. And then as you see some schematic changes, I think you see an even bigger jump. So for me, that's the thing, Vince, and then just consistency, yeah. Um, you know, just being more consistent with, and that kind of wraps up all those things. Be more consistent with your assignments, be more consistent with your, to your technique. And then finally, the big one, the big one is he's got to hold on to the ball better. He put the ball on the ground a few too many times True. last year. That's the thing for me where he's going to have to really make sure that he's locked in and, and protecting the ball. And he, he seems to have a little bit shorter arms, which sometimes can, can, can lead to some issues there, but he's a pretty strong kid. It's just about, you know, sometimes you're trying to make too much of a play, and you got to right. remember, you can't ever while making a play, you can't ever then make a play for the other team. Protecting the ball yeah. is is got to be is got to be the key. So I think those are areas where Kyron showed some improvement from what little we saw the spring. Sure, and, but it, th- those are the things that are going to d- determine whether or not he's a once again, in my opinion, one of the better backs in the country, and then also puts himself in position to where after the season. He can say, hey, I'm one of the best backs in the country. It's time for me to go to the NFL and potentially be pushing for a, a first or second round selection. Yeah, and, and I'll echo a little bit about what you said, but consistency, I think, is is the key word across the board. The two things that I was thinking about was ball security, number one, and number two, consistency in pass blocking because he made some highlight pass blocks, and mm-hmm. they were highlighted many, many times on ESPN and, and, and the like. But if you watch the full games, there were some right. times where he – didn't do a great job and he just needs to be more consistent look he's a willing blocker and that mm-hmm. you and I both know being a willing blocker is more than half the battle like right. you, it's you like can, 75 to 80 percent of the battle yeah, at least absolutely but he needs to clean up the technique a little bit mm-hmm. um to be consistent in that regard uh and, and of course I agree with you you know releasing if there's nobody mm-hmm. there etc uh, mm-hmm. but I when but those somebody, are experiential things I mean exactly you, you and right. I both know that and we've seen him do it um, mm-hmm. as far as a good, solid pass blocking. He just needs to be consistent with it. Um, and so that that would be the two areas that I would really focus on moving forward. But, again, I'm nitpicking a little bit. 
But you got to remember, he's still a young back. I mean, so, yeah, redshirt sophomore. He's going to be a junior this year. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's still a young yeah. back. So um, those things are all to be expected, frankly. Right. Um, yeah, those aren't I, criticisms. I mean, no. that's that's what you look at and say. I mean, absolutely. After 2015, Quinn Nelson had parts of his game he had to get better at. And he was a you know he was a phenomenal player as a redshirt freshman. Yeah, but it is and, about okay, what does Kyron have to do to maximize his exactly. potential? Because to the point that we get back to with the offensive line. When you have an inexperienced offensive line that's going to have their fair share of problems, you can't then compound that by making the wrong cut. Sure. You have to be, you have to, and Kyron shows good patience at times, but at, at, at times last season, he would just cut because he's kind of a fiery guy. You know, he's oh, kind yeah. of a, an intense sure. emotional leader. Like whether he's a captain or not this year, he's going to be a guy that people look to for especially during games for that that energy he's going to be the yeah, he's an energy guy yeah he's going to be the guy that that you know you're not going to see the offense coming out for games la- next year lacking emotion right. now that Kyron is considered a leader of that group again you don't have to have a c on your chest to be a guy that people look to once the games start right no the doubt. c on your chest has a lot more to do with what you do monday to friday yep. than it does about what happens on saturday Kyron's going to be a guy that's going to be an emotional leader a a making play leader of that group and so Part of that, though, sometimes when you're young, it, it, it can be the reason you fumble because you're 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 so intense and you're so thinking about how can I go make a play that you're not thinking about keep the ball here, keep the ball here, keep the ball here. But that also comes from experience because it's not necessarily thinking about keeping the ball here, keeping the ball here. That's now muscle memory now because you've happened. gotten so many practice reps, you've gotten so many opportunities, you've played in games, you know things that 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 didn't hurt you in practice hurt you in a game. And now you know in practice you got to be focusing on that because it may not hurt you in practice, but it can hurt you when you sure. get Saturdays. And so those are part of the, the things. Because honestly, Vince, when I look at Kyron Williams, I, I'm more impressed with what he did as a redshirt freshman, for example, than what I saw from Clyde Edwards Alaire his first few years of college. And I think that Chris Tyre that Chris Tyree, Kyron Williams to me brings even more dynamic athleticism than than mm-hmm. he brought. I think he brings a little bit more power. And I think he's his equal, if not his superior, in the pass game. But what with Clark Edwards Hilaire, it was he was so experienced, he knew when to get out on a pass route. He knew when to get to the check down. He knew when to do those things. He was so consistently effective that that's why he ended up having a great year at LSU and became a first-round draft pick. But I think from just a pure ability standpoint, I'll, I'll take Kyron Williams. I mean, over from what we saw from him as a redshirt freshman, and you go look sure. at the production that Clark Edwards Hilaire had most of his career until that last year breakout. You know, that's why I get excited about what Card Williams can do and why I think that with another really productive year, we could see him making some serious noise next year uh, in the NFL draft, which would be huge for Notre Dame. I oh, mean, absolutely. Because if you think about all the backs that Notre Dame has had that have been really good college players, Josh Adams, Dexter Williams. Josh Adams went undrafted. Dexter Williams was a six-round draft pick. Theo Riddick was a – what he was – was he a seventh? I'm trying to remember. Theo Riddick was a, a, a late-round draft pick as well. Sear Wood did not get drafted. Uh, Jonas Gray did not get drafted. So, you know, that's one of the things that it's actually kind of impressive that first Tony Alford and now Lance Taylor and Tommy Reese are able to to do the have the success they had when it comes to recruiting running backs when you consider they've had almost no success yeah. for over a decade when it comes to producing running backs in the NFL. Theoretic was a sixth round draft pick. So, I mean, it, it's, you know, Darius Walker went undrafted. I mean, when was the last time Notre Dame had a big back that, that got drafted somewhat high? I think you'd have to probably go back to, to Julius Jerome Jones, Bettis. right? Oh, back, yeah. No, That's Julius right. Jones was second by round the Cowboys. pick in 04. Yeah. yeah. 
And then before that, to your point, it was <laughs> Reggie Brooks and Jerome Bettis going yeah. in the first and second round of the same yeah. draft. So if you can start churning out a couple high draft picks, now all of a sudden it's going to open up some doors for you that maybe maybe weren't there before when it comes to recruiting that position. So I think we can both be in agreement that we expect big things from Kyron Williams this year. I mean, we've said it in more ways than one. We have said what we think he's going to be. Um, now, we haven't put numbers on it, but I, I just I think he's going to be exceptional and he's going to be in the conversation mm-hmm. for one of the best running backs in the country. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel it's going to go. Um, I don't know if you feel any different. Yeah, I do. No, I, I think his numbers are going to look different this year. You know, when you look at Kyron's production, I. I think there's an opportunity for him to have more yards because two reasons. Number one, they're going to play one more game this year than they did last year when you consider the bowl game because they played 10 regular seasons, conference championship, and then the playoff games. They only played 12 games last year. So if he averages the same exact number of yards per game this year, he's going to have more yards, right? I think this year we're going to see if the the – see, a lot of this is dependent upon the changes we think they're going to be making offensively, Vince, because if they're still trying to run the two tight ends and power football – with an inexperienced offensive line, he's not going to see a jump That's in yards be per tough. carry. Yep. That's what I tough. think we could see and what I hope we see is with those changes and then with Kyron improving his game, that maybe his yards don't change a ton. Maybe he gets 50 to 100 extra yards, but he's going to do it on fewer touches or at least run game touches. Where I think we're going to see a big jump from Kyron this year is going to be in the pass game. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not so much from a catches standpoint because the Alabama game – caught eight balls against Alabama, which really kind of skewed his overall season production. Uh, you know, he ended up with 35 catches because of that. But I think what you're going to see more so, what I'm referring to is maybe he doesn't catch more than 35 balls this year. And late in the year, we saw him catching it more. Four, four, three, three, and eight is how he finished the year. But he averaged 8.9 yards per catch. I think with him being used more in the slot as a receiver – which I think we'll see, I think you'll see that jump up to 10, 11, you know, or so yards per carry. And I think that's what's going to make his overall production be more effective, Vince, is that he may only have 1,150 rushing yards this year because, A, hopefully they're blowing some people out, and B, you know, I think Chris Tyree's going to get his fair share of touches and those type of things. He may not have a huge jump in production from a, a rushing yard standpoint, but I'd like to see his yards per carry get closer to around six yards a carry. And I think he's going to see a big jump in pass game production. Again, when I'm referring to yards. So I think those are the two things that I look for, Vince, is just a more efficient, explosive player in 2021. And that's going to factor into a a change in the per-touch numbers, more so than just the raw yards. Because, look, if Notre Dame is as good as we think they're going to be this year as a team, and and if it's because of the offense – there's going to be games that Kyron's not going to be in the fourth quarter this year where he was in the fourth right. quarter last year. We have to think about that too. So speaking of explosive, let's talk about Chris Tyree. Um, and his areas of improvement, I think, are, again, areas of improvement because he's a true freshman, right? I mean, he's still finishing up his freshman year in college, and so he's going to be a true sophomore going into next year. Um, I was very happy that they used him at all Uh you know, his freshman year, but I still think he was underutilized. And, mm-hmm. you know, his, his you're yards saying he carry, didn't He didn't give Kyron enough breathers? Is that what you're saying? Don't, don't throw BK's words against me, okay? Um, 
but he should have been in in more games because it was clear every time he touched the ball, good things happened. Yeah. Um, but I love that he said that. I love that Chris Tyree said that in a press conference. I was I wanted to just go hug the kid. You know, I just. You know, I was just like, oh, I'm so because he wasn't saying it to be disrespectful to the coach, sure. but at the same time, it was like, I mean, yeah, when I get the ball, good things happen. You know, I mean, it's, it's just a fact. It's not rockets, they need to get him the ball more often, yeah. and I think that they will this year. Uh, but he still has some things he needs to improve on, mm-hmm. and and you said it, his um, reaction in the hole at times, right, is is one of the things he needs to work on. Well, his, for me, Vince, it's more about efficiency from a footwork standpoint i think at times chris gets too mechanical with his footwork and it doesn't have him in position to just plant and go like he's capable of you know and i think that to me is a is a is can be a problem for a coachable young player sometimes he can be too uh he can he can take too well to the coaching you know what i mean where he's like he's just thinking about the footwork and yeah and with kyron kyron is coachable I'm not saying he's not, but like once this whistle blows, Kyron's just instinct. It's just instinct. It's just, I'm just making plays and I'm just going to do what I got to do to make a play with Chris. It's kind of almost like I want him to, he's the opposite of, of Kyron in that I want him to, to maybe freelance a little bit more, you know, look for that hole, be more reactive as opposed to just get on my track and go, and just you go. know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, be a you know, I, want, I mean, just be, right. a, be a football player. Right. Right. Yeah. And he is, but I, but again, he's a really smart, thoughtful coach sure. kid. Sure. And, and so those are good things. So, you know, I think he, he obviously has to be more assignment correct, but I want him to be more efficient with his footwork. And I sure. think if he's more efficient with his footwork, then he's going to be in position more frequently to plant and go or make people miss or do those kind of things. It's also going to put him in position to where he's going to see the holes a little clearer. His anticipation is going to be a little clearer because then when he sees it or he anticipates that it's going to be there, he's in a better position to plant and go. Because the one thing that we all agree on, and I don't, I don't know of anyone that would, would disagree with this, if there's, this, if there's a, a hole that is big enough for Chris Tyree to get his narrow shoulders through, it's going to be six, or at least it's going to be a big play. And and, and yeah, that's if he can the, get to the second level yeah. and get a guy in space. Yeah, um, I I would bet on twenty five all day right. long. I mean, es- I, especially as he has more experience because he's going to be more confident. Right. There are yeah, times absolutely. where it's like he's like kind of like, okay, what do I do next? It's like, sure, hey, man, just just go, just go, and and he's going to get opportunities to just go. Whether it's in the pass game, whether it's in the run game, he's going to get those open field opportunities. And it's only going to make this team better. And again, the thing holding him back last year w- was the fact that he just wasn't on the field. I mean, that, he's just he's that kind of a player where he needs to be on the field. I mean, mm-hmm. even even as a decoy, mm-hmm. he needs to be on the field, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so I hope to to see that more often. Um, and I think we will. I, I think it's going to be quite the one-two punch between those two guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, just getting him on the field is is going to make a world of difference. Yeah. Well, I mean, we saw it early last year, right? I mean, he had six carries against Duke. He had eight against South Florida, 11 against Florida State, and seven against Louisville. And at times, you know, he was he he had some big plays. I mean, he averaged 8.1 yards against South Florida, 9.4 against Florida State. And then it was three carries, five, two. Yeah, I don't get that. Yeah, and then he had 17 against Boston College when Kyra got hurt. Then it was two the next week against North Carolina. And then he went for six carries for 109 yards against Syracuse, but that all came late. you sure. know. And then he had one carry against Clemson late in the game. He didn't get on the field, really, until the fourth quarter. Yeah. 
touchdown. And he goes for 21 yards, you know, for a touchdown. And I realized it was – But but they did use him early against Bama, and he had some tough runs. He had the 27-yard screen play uh, early in the game that that put Notre Dame in position to potentially set up a score. Uh, But – you know, so I, I, you know, it's 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 okay. He's got a year under his belt. We don't need to spend too much time on. Oh, he should have played more last year. It is what it is. The fact of the sure. matter is, he got experience last year. Yes, he got seventy three catches. Huge. He got eight catches. You know, he was he got twenty two touches in the return game. You know, which is an area I'd like to see him get more opportunities this year. Actually, let him go and design yes. things to give him As some shots. Hey, look, you got enough weapons to where if a couple times you get pinned at your own 15 because it didn't work, fine. It's okay. I, I'll, I'll take a couple of those if it means I'm going to be able to break one or two. Yep. But uh, so well, well, with Chris, it's like, you know, you want him you want him and Kyron to kind of meet in the middle as players. You want Kyron to be maybe a little bit more structured but maintaining his free spirit, and you want Chris to maybe be a little less structured and get some of Kyron's free spiritness. The other area where I – Excuse me, where I think we're going to see a big jump in production, or I hope we see a big jump in production from Chris Tyree this year, is in the pass game. He caught eight passes last year. Six of them came in two games. He caught four against Alabama, and he caught two against Louisville. That's almost his entire season's production. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's an area where I want to see him more effective, and I think that I think we're going to see him at least double that, his catches. But I want to see a situation where Chris Tyree's getting close to a thousand yards of of you know all purpose offense, meaning rushing and receiving. Yeah, and yep. and uh, you know, look, North Carolina did it, and no one's going to be able to convince me that North Carolina has more offensive line talent than Notre Dame does. Nobody. So I mean that that this is a group that needs to produce a ton, and yep. and I think that when you look at the quality of the defenses they face or lack thereof. The opportunities are going to be there, and uh, and I want to see this this backfield be utilized because I also think here's another part about this too, Vince. As we talk about Chris Tyree, I'm gonna I'm gonna segue to kind of a bigger picture point. Okay, if Chris Tyree makes the improvements that I think he's capable of making, and he's got to get stronger too, right? Like this is another part. You know, he's now a sophomore, so you expect him to have a little bit more, you know, a little Armor. bit more up here. Armor is now yeah, he, he exactly about, yeah. exactly, and so I think he's going to have that, but. If you if these two guys, if you establish these two guys as your playmakers early in the year, meaning pass game, run game, all of that, now all of a sudden, as we talked about, you take some of that pressure off of the other groups. Now all of a sudden they start getting better. So as your schedule starts really toughening up, Wisconsin, then Virginia Tech, and then you have a bye, then it's USC and North Carolina, you're gonna need your other position groups to to really be effective. But if you're able to get these guys rolling early, I mean First couple games, hopefully, fingers crossed, they're both top on 100 yards in, in, total, in total offense. Absolutely. Again, rushing pat, rushing and receiving. Then all of a sudden, teams have to focus so much more on those guys that, oh, shoot, we forgot about Michael Mayer on that play. Right. Or I'm not worried about Avery Davis because I'm trying to stop Michael Mayer, Kyron Williams, and Chris Tyree. I can't focus on – I got to hope that my corner is good enough to cover Braden Lindsey, Lawrence Keyes, and, jo- and Kevin Austin – Deion Colsey, Lorenzo Styles, Xavier Watts, because we got to focus our attention on the two backs and Michael Mayer. But but that's the key is now all of a sudden when you get in those big games, you can have some more, maybe some more opportunities with those other players because of the early season success you have with the two running backs. That at least that's my my hope. But part of that is going to be on both of those two players making the necessary improvements to their game to be able to maximize 
those early season opportunities. Well, and I, and I think I'm going to have to, and th- this is a me thing, I'm going to have to start reading box scores a little bit differently when it comes to this backfield because, you know, everybody always looks, oh, was it a 100-yard game, you know, a 100-yard yeah. rush or blah, blah, blah. It's going to have to be yards on the ground plus receiving yards for these it's got to be total yards. I mean, it's, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It absolutely has to be. And I'm not even talking about the return game, which I think mm-hmm. both of them should be involved. Uh, I'm, I'm talking about just from an offensive standpoint, running the ball, receiving the ball, you got to put those yards together. And if they're mm-hmm. averaging 100 yards a game, then I think that that's a success. And yeah. both, like each averaging 100 yards a game, not mm-hmm. as a combination, each averaging right. 100 yards a game. Of I total think, yards, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's the sweet spot for these yeah. guys. You know What's what I mean? interesting is they both had over 1,000 yards last year. And, and when you look at everything, you know, sure. because Chris Tyree had over 500 yards of, of rushing and receiving, he had about, uh, about four. Six five sixty one, I think is what it was. Let me look it up here real quick. Yeah, five sixty one, and then he had four hundred fifty six yards of kick returns. He gave him a thousand seventeen yards, and then of course Kyron was over a thousand yards rushing, and then you had another three hundred some to his to his repertoire. So I mean, but what we're talking about, Vince, is a thousand yards of just offense. Yes, not the return game. Offense, right? Yep, yep, and and that's what I'm going to be looking for. you know, a lot of people, uh, and I've seen it in the chat, and we'll get to your chat questions at the end, as we always do. Um, but I have seen it. You know, what is it going to look like when both of them are on the field, or you know, mm-hmm. what is the what is the combination of Tyree and Williams look like? Are they going to be on the field together? Is it going to mm-hmm. be a rotation? You know, all both. of these different things. Yeah, exactly. So, if you're Tommy Reese, how do you use these guys, and or or how do you envision Tommy Reese? using both of these guys i think the big thing for me from coach reese is he has to force the issue early in the season Mm -hmm. for several purposes number one is to see what they can do number Mm -hmm. two is i want film right away that other teams have to focus on absolutely some people say like ah you know let's save our best stuff until the wisconsin no I want Wisconsin so freaking out about my two running backs because of what we put on film the first three games. Then I can use Braden Lindsey and Lawrence Keyes and sure. and Michael Mayer to make some big plays when we get to Wisconsin. I'm putting it off. First three weeks, I'm just my backs are gonna we're gonna force the issue. So how does that work? Number one is you have your rotation, right? You're gonna have a you know I would like to see a a, a two by one formation a rotation, which means basically Kyron gets two series, Chris gets one. Kyron sure. gets. Chris gets I'd be fine with that. And I would be, I would stick to that no matter how hot one of those guys was early in the season because I don't, my fear, because they're both smallish backs, you worry about are they going to wear down late in the year? Sure. Now they were blessed this year that they had some buys. You know, Notre Dame had a couple weeks off at one point in time in late September, early October. They had a bye week before the ACC title game. Then they had another bye week before the playoff game. They were fortunate to where they had some breaks to where they could recover more than they're going to be able to recover this year with a full, normal, regular 12-game season. And so I don't. I want to make sure that you're putting them both out there, but not to the point where Kyron's necessarily touching the ball 30 times the first three games, right? So I, I would use them both a lot early in a rotation. But then within that, I would also have plenty of times where I'm going to have both of them on the field together. Absolutely. Now, how that works is twofold. One is the most obvious. They're both in the backfield together. From that alignment, you can do different things where you can release them both into pass routes. You can have one pass block and one release into, to a route. You can do your normal run game where I think in this instance, you can have Kyron Williams especially be effective as a lead blocker 
The other thing you can do is use that guy as a decoy. So if you're if you're saying, okay, Vince, you're not going to necessarily run the read zone where teams are going to be worried about Jack Cohn backside, right? They're not going to be – it's like, hey, you want to let Jack Cohn pull the ball and run it for seven yards? We're going to let you do that because you ain't beating us with Jack Cohn running the ball, right? Right, right. But all of a sudden, you, you know, he pulls – and you got Chris Tyree running a swing route backside. So let's say I'm the I'm the quarterback, right? I got Kyron Williams to here, and I got Chris Tyree here, and I'm running a read zone, right, with Kyron Williams coming this way, and then I got Tyree going the opposite direction. And if your if your overhand guy collapses on Kyron, then I'm pulling that sucker and I'm throwing it outside yep. to Chris Tyree in space. Perfect RPO. And if you and if he doesn't squeeze, right, then I'm handing it off to Kyron Williams, and he now has room on the second level. Yep. Right. So that's another way out of the backfield that you can give them both things. Plus, like I mentioned, you know, like outside zones, buck sweeps with him as a leap blocker. And you say, well, you know, they're not big guys. And I would point to one of the biggest runs in Notre Dame, like the, the most clutch runs it, that we saw from Notre Dame in the last 20 years was CJ Procise's 50 yard touchdown run against LSU in the Music City Bowl back in 2014. You remember that? He was, it was on a jet sweep. Go watch the lead block that Torian Folston put on the perimeter on that play where he was able to cut a guy. Those are important blocks on buck sweeps and outside zones. So you could see some things where Kyron's doing that. You can have some misdirection stuff mm -hmm. where maybe you, you know, yep. you go different ways. Then you have things where you can put Kyron Williams outside, either in the slot or outside. And then you can run packages from there. You sure. can run double screens out of that. So Notre Dame in the past has run double screens. They'll like run a swing screen over here and then like a little tunnel over here. And then the quarterback has to read where our numbers better to, to – so like if, if you like the numbers to the tunnel side, you fake the bubble and then you dump it into the tunnel. If you like the bubble side better, you just catch it and you just – you know, you throw the bubble screen sure. and you put it out. So there's some the things – The possibilities are endless. Right. Man, you I can just... do just normal pass. Rock. You can go empty. Yeah. Right, you can go empty and then motion a guy back. You can go empty, shift a guy, then motion a guy on a jet sweep. So, like they could put, they could put empty and go two receivers to the field, the tight end and and and, and the back to the boundary. So you put Chris Tyree into the boundary, right, as a, as an outside guy, and then you have trips to the outside. So you most you quickly shift Kyron to the backfield, then you send Chris Tyree on a jet sweep, right, jet sweep motion right before the snap. There's just so many different things that you can do. And the fact that Kyron can legitimately run vertical pass routes, he can run corners, he can run seams, he can run drags. He's not just a option cross yeah. slant guy. Please, please put a linebacker on him as he yes. shifts out oh, and goes and, into and, the slot. And that's the other thing. Is so, like, and that. That, and so here's what you do during a game. So if I'm Lance Taylor or I'm Dell Alexander or John McNulty, whoever's keying sort of what the secondary, what the matchups are. Because in the game and on each play, you're not looking at your guys pre-snap. You're looking at so so Coach Quinn is looking at the line. John McNulty might be focused on the linebackers. Coach Taylor maybe focused on the alignment, the personnel. Coach Alexander maybe focused on the shell of the coverage. I mean, everybody's looking at different things, and you're communicating between sure. snaps of what they're doing. So you know, let's say at the snap, Coach Taylor's like, "Hey, they put a linebacker on Chris when we put him into the boundary isolated." So if you know, if we go trips to the field with a tight end backside, they're going to put Chris there. So then what you do is, or you, or if it's Chris outside and Kyron in the backfield, so what you do is on the snap, you send you send Kyron Williams immediately on a quick slide route. So it's just an arrow route where he just takes off, and then you run Michael Mayer vertically. And you've now taken the flat defender over here out with Kyron Williams, and you've now isolated a linebacker chasing Chris Tyree on a crossing route. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah, exactly. Good luck. Because last that, I that checked, guy's Jeremiah Wusukormo is yeah. in the NFL.
Yeah, exactly. And there's not too many cats like him. No. That's why no. he is who he is. And so, so those are things that yeah. you'll see, Vince. And, and that's why I say do it early because early on, see how teams defend you immediately right away and then put that stuff on film. But as I said, we could literally do an entire hour long show. Maybe we might do that this summer. When we what you can do with those two. Yeah. Uh, but where you could just say, here's all the different things that you could do with these two players. Yep. And, and not even like, crazy outside the box stuff that you're like, yeah, I don't know if you want to do that. Like, why are you throwing fade backside fade routes to Chris Tyree? Uh, no, I'm yeah. talking legitimate stuff yeah. where you're building to their strengths. And that's what makes it really fun and exciting because they are such versatile players. And, and we see some versatility from the, uh, some, some of the incoming guys too. I think Logan Diggs is a very versatile guy. Logan Diggs is more in the, the, um, the, the Tony Jones type of running back production, you know? So it, that's the other thing too, is if one of them goes down, it doesn't necessarily say can't do that anymore because you do have some versatility from some of those, uh, some of those younger guys. Audric Estime has kind of got some Tony Jones in him sure. in the backfield. So well, you just you, brought him up. So let's talk about yeah. the depth. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this depth because you've brought up some of these young guys a couple times. Mm-hmm. And I want to make sure that everybody understands what is coming here mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks to Notre Dame um, because these two freshmen are pretty dynamic dudes. I mean, it, mm-hmm. yes. Notre Dame did not land the guy that they put all their eggs in at first, and it looked dire when he didn't commit to Notre Dame. But they did a really good job of going back back. out and getting two guys that can really help this team this year if necessary. So let's talk about this depth chart. First, obviously, we're going to talk about Sebo Flemister. You know, Sebo is going to have a role as that third back. You need a third back, okay? Assuming he's able to play. That that would be my well, and that would that, be my only my only thing. We're talking and that's why we're trying to stuff. not talk about Sebo too much today because sure. we need to see how we'll address running backs out. again as we get closer to the fall. Of course, but we and need we'll to have see a picture of what right. is going on. And, there. and that's why we're not talking about Sebo as much today. It's not purposeful. It's not that we've heard something that he's not going to be on the team. It's just we all know what Sebo can do. We just got to find out if he's going to. You know what his what his status is as we get close to the season for sure, and 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 we need to let's talk about the freshmen because we know mm-hmm. that those guys are coming, and mm-hmm. I'm excited about these two guys. And if mm-hmm. if for whatever reason Sibo is not the third guy, I don't know that there's going to be that much of a drop off. To be perfectly honest, yeah. with well, you. I'll be honest with you, Sibo's obviously got more experience. Well, but he's going to have to fight these guys off right. if he is fully. With the right. team and everything, right? Yeah, he's gonna, so we're gonna we're gonna do I, an fully, impromptu uh, film session here, Vince. Oh, okay. I was gonna say I fully expect Sebo uh, to be number three going into fall camp if everything is fine off the field. Mm-hmm. But I feel like as the season progresses, mm-hmm. he's gonna need to hold those guys off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I hope that he's I hope that he's gonna not be suspended. I hope it wasn't a big deal because sure. I want Sebo to get that opportunity. But here's the thing. That, look at that right there. Like, Ooh. So we talk about Sebo. Sebo's a physical runner. Well, so is Logan Diggs. And here's the thing. Logan Diggs is not the most physical runner that Notre Dame is bringing in amongst the freshman class. But here's what I love about Logan Diggs. He's got great size. Uh, he is six foot. He's 200 pounds. He's elusive, as you right saw there. that move right there. He he reminds me a lot of he's not quite he doesn't quite have the initial burst that Dexter Williams has, but he runs a lot like Dex does with that that smooth make you miss ability. Here's him lead blocking. You know we talked about two backs. Look at that. I mean that's a kid just laying can, somebody out as a lead blocker. Can I just say that a kid a high school kid who puts a lead block as like their fourth play on their highlight yeah. film? I'm yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> now keep in mind he's playing at a really good level of football. He was con- he was ranked as the. Uh, 
the uh, district player of the year offensively. And it was the same district where LSU had a top 100 receiver in that district who was first team all district but did not win the player of the year. There was a couple top 200 juniors, 2022 kids, uh, that that were in that league. And he was the guy that was ranked as the as the the play the, or named the player of the year. Just that elusiveness. Look at that. Bam. He's got that lead. He's got that yep. lead Beckton dead leg move, which I love, you know. Um, but this is a kid also that brings a he didn't he he, he brings a lot of value in the past game. And and we've seen some stuff from him in the past game in high school, but where he's really shined is we've seen him at some camps where he's running routes, and you can see how effective he is running routes. So I'm a big Logan Diggs fan, and and yeah, he's not a guy that's necessarily going to run for, you know, a four four and all those kind of things. But this kid is elusive, and this kid is a football player. Look at that punt return right there, just making dudes. Man, he's so smooth. I've said this. He's a he's a faster Tony Jones. He's a faster mm-hmm. Torian Folston. You know, I mean, that's 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 what you want, right? I'll take it. Because Tony Jones Jr. was on pace for over a thousand yards in 2019. Uh, and and he had over a thousand yards of all of all purpose stuff, and he missed a couple games, and he averaged six yards a carry. That's the second time he's done that. He also did that a couple times as a junior, which I don't necessarily love that, but it just shows his athleticism. It shows his athleticism, right? Look at the hips right there. He's he's playing defense here again. I love it. I love it. So there's a lot to like about that kid. That that just to me makes him a a really effective player. He's smooth. He's fluid. Uh, he's a guy that, to me, can be effective out of the backfield. He's going to be a guy that can block early on. And as good as he was as a junior, Vince, or as a senior in high school, just from a, sh- a sheer production standpoint, Audric Estime was was even more productive. He only played eight games last year, had like 1,300 yards, averaged about 10 yards a carry. He's a big back. Look at that. That's eight games of production. <laughs> eight games. He's a big back, but he's not a power back in the sense that that's just what he does, right? He's a guy that that will run you over if he needs to, but like Logan Diggs, he's going to try to make you miss if he can. He's a kid that is listed at 6'1", 215. I don't know if he's 6'1". I believe he's 215, but he's very nimble. You see here he's very light on his feet. Look at that balance. When people yeah, like say, that. what do you mean by balance? Right Watch there him with hurdle this defender. And, and moving his feet, his and lower his, body to the right. right. And as soon yeah. as his feet hit the ground, he's back to running. He's back to stride. I mean, yeah. that's like – that's a hurdle. He just ran the 110 hurdles right there, right? right. And that is just – and here's the thing, too. He's playing against, like, St. Peter's Prep. He's playing – I think this is against Bergen Catholic. You know, he's playing against some of the best teams in the state of New Jersey, and he's putting up these stupid numbers and just stupid numbers. So this kid is a is a really talented back as well. I mean, these two kids are as good of a one-two punch as Notre Dame has signed in a class going all the way back to Armando Allen and, and Robert Hughes. They're not as highly ranked, but as far as just their production, they're all around play. I mean, look at him just bobbing and weaving his way to the end zone. He's 215 pounds. You know what I mean? Like, this is a really, really impressive kid and a kid that I think has a chance to be a really special back at Notre Dame. Just like I think that Logan Diggs has a chance to be a really yeah. special back at Notre Dame. Yep, these kids can flat out play. And this is why he averaged over 10 yards a carry because he just had so just many of these type of losting runs. Lost out so many long runs. Oh, it's just insane. It's just insane. Just insane this kind of the production he had. Look at so, that I mean, right this there. gives people a, a, just – and his legs never stop moving. That's another example of great balance. It's one thing to be strong enough to get off of a tackle, but then to keep your feet underneath you and stay up and then keep going – just says a lot. Look at that move. Just that's what I'm talking about. Look at those feet. I mean, that's just bad. He's you're, you're hitting his ankles, you're hitting his legs, and he just he just keeps running. That's not strength. That's that's partly strength. 
that's also great balance. These are really, really impressive backs. I mean, both of these kids, I mean, you know, look, you can talk about recruiting rankings all you want, and you can talk to me about they weren't this and they weren't that. But here's what I said at the time. Was 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 getting not getting Will Shipley a miss? Yeah, it was a miss. Yeah, it was. But I'll tell you what, I don't think they would have got two backs if they would have got Will Shipley. I agree. And and I like this one-two punch. And sometimes, you know, I've said in the past, sometimes on in recruiting, you can have a little bit of a blessing in disguise. You missed a kid. Yeah, yeah, it's a bummer, but you ended up getting a better player. Well, Notre Dame got a really, really good two-man group that I don't think they would have got if they'd have got Will Shipley. I think they'd have got Will Shipley and just called it a day. Sure. I really I, like I agree this with one that. two punch. Because at the time, yeah. he was the guy, and they weren't really recruiting any other running backs. Mm -hmm. And so I agree with you. I think he would have been the only one. Okay. Uh, yeah. Brian, I guess the bottom line is we, we've talked about everybody that's in that room. How good is this room? I personally think arguably – and I'm, I'm, I'm tossing back and forth between the second or the third uh, position group on the team that I'm most confident in and that has the most depth. And number one for me by far is the defensive line right. across the board. Two, three for me in whatever order, and I could make an argument for either one, would be quarterback and running back. And I, you know, I feel like this I'd go is running a back. Because okay. I think the high-end talent is better okay. at running back. And that's fine. Like I said, right. I can make an argument for either yeah. one. But like I, this me, is yeah. Like, to me, Jack Cohn and Drew Pine are very good players. But I wouldn't call either of them dynamic players. Okay. You know, they're, they're great point guards, you know, where they're John Stockton. Whereas Card Williams and Chris Tyree, are, Tyree are, are, you know, they're Magic Johnsons, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's kind of what I see from them. They're dynamic players. And and then I think you've the depth of both position groups is very good. But I think that the top end talent, the, there's more okay. elite talent and elite upside where at, at running back than there is at quarterback. And, and again, that includes me. You know what I think of Tyler Buckner. I mean, sure. I think Tyler Buckner is an elite player. But he's the only elite player I think Notre Dame has a quarterback. Now, I think Jack Cohn can be in a – a, a an outstanding quarterback don't get me wrong i think the same thing about drew pine but it's more about what they can do up here sure as opposed to being able to take a game over with their physical tools does that yep. make sense so that's yep. to me why i separate it and why i'd put running back up there Fair i'm also enough. more confident in the proven production at running back whereas at quarterback it's jack cone jack cone's the only one's really ever done anything in college you know drew pine has to prove he can be successful sure. in the field drew, tyler buckner has to prove he can be successful on the field these guys have shown it I mean, these guys have made plays and and big and moments. They could take another step, and they could yeah. be just that good. I agree. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. really looking forward to what this yeah. group was, and I, and I'm also really looking forward. And I'll repeat what I said before. I'm really, really, really looking forward to see what Tommy Reese does with these guys. Yeah, and yeah. Create and, be with them. And I also think there's a lot of versatility. Whereas, like with Cone and Buckner or Cone and Pine, they're kind of the same guy. Sure, right? I agree. Whereas, you know, we've talked about Kyron, and we've talked about. Chris Tyree and I just I just had got a text from somebody that said that you know that he's optimistic that Sebo is going to be able to play and not face any suspension which is Good. great you know and so uh, now you add Sebo who brings a completely different element to the table than what Kyron and Tyree do which is just you know those guys are like elusive and it's like sure. so like when you're playing Chris Tyree and Kyron you kind of always have to be on your heels right like okay where's he going to make me miss is he going to try to run me but if you're on your heels against Sebo, he's just going to put his, his shoulder down and just 
plow right into run you. right over you yeah right and then you you have some of that what you see from the freshman back so i just i love the the makeup of this group there's you know if if you can if you want to hammer a team and you don't want to wear kyron williams out you got other hammers yeah right? you got sebo you got audric estimate logan Diggs can be a hammer and so i just love the makeup of it vince i think it's a group that has a chance it has a chance to be the best running back group of brian kelly's era now I think that there's obviously some good competition. I think that the the uh, the in 2011 the Sear Wood uh, Jonas Gray combination was really good. Uh, obviously, Sierra had over a thousand yards. Jonas, I think, would have had over a thousand yards if he didn't get hurt. He finished with 791. He didn't play the final two games of the season. If you remember, he got hurt against Boston College. I think he'd have topped a thousand yards if he didn't get hurt. So you'd have had two thousand yard running backs. Obviously, the 2012 group of Theo Riddick and Sierra Wood was pretty good. The 2015 group of C.J. Procise and Josh Adams was good. But the, the caveat there is they never used those two backs together. Yeah, That's the difference. Whereas Jonas and Sierra played together. Theo and Sierra played together. They didn't rotate backs in 2015. Josh Adams played very little other than mop-up duty in the Texas game when they had injuries until C.J. got hurt. Then Josh went off. They never really played them together. Right. Then you look at the 2017 group, and that group was clearly the most productive running back tandem. But that tandem, they all had major flaws, right? Josh had Josh was just a straight line guy that couldn't make people miss. Dexter at the time was a home run guy that wasn't efficient and couldn't pass. He couldn't stop me in a one on one pass block, right? At that time, he got better the next year. I thought but, you were going to say maybe you'd got worse. You were better back then at at like pass rushing. No. No, I mean Dexter didn't pass block. I mean he I just know. didn't pass block, you know. And and then you know Tony Jones was kind of banged up a little bit that year. He was pretty good, but he wasn't really explosive. This group has so much more all around talent within each player that it makes it different. And I think that's why this tandem could end up being the best of this era, and the and which would then make it one of the best. Comp- I mean you, Lou Holt used to have some really good one two punches at running back. I'm not ready to put this group on the same level as Jerome Bettison. And Reggie Brooks, they have a lot to prove before they're there at that point. But I think they certainly have an opportunity to be the sure. best of since then, right? So, so that's the standard, right? Reggie and yeah. Jerome, and and since then, what what's the standard, right? It's it's I think the groups that we talked about, and and you know you had some good one two punches in Charlie's era. They just never were able to produce because some of the offensive line issues. So like Armando was never able to kind of get off because of his injuries, but the offensive lines were so bad and, and those kind of things. But I think this group has a chance to be the most productive, but also the most efficient and explosive, just the best all-around group that we've seen of, of certainly of the Brian Kelly era. But if you're the best of the Brian Kelly era, you're going to be the best of the previous eras you yeah, know, right. as far as tandems. So, you know, again, that's high praise and that's a lot of expectations. Sure. But honestly, that's how good this group is. When was the last time that you and I could sit down and say, if the fifth running back on Notre Dame's depth chart ends up starting, I think they're going to be fine. <laughs> Never. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you'd have to go back to the Lou Holtz era before you, yeah. you could you could do that. I mean, absolutely. That's how, in my opinion, good this running back group is. Where if some reason injuries happen and one of the two freshmen who we would one of those two is going to be fifth, right? Right. Uh, it, it, assuming Sebo is able to play, sure, sure. One of those guys is going to be fifth. Running back is a position where freshmen can play right away. Absolutely. If if they were forced into, you know, let's say they had the same kind of injuries that we saw in 2015, where Torian got hurt on what the second carry of the season, mm-hmm. and CJ got hurt in like the eighth or ninth game of the year, and all of a sudden, you know, you're you're down to two freshmen. 
Well, those two freshmen in 2015 did all right, Josh Adams and Dexter Williams. And I feel the same way about this group, except then it was, you know, it was, that's probably actually, you know, I think about that's probably the last year, but Dexter was not the all around player in 2015 no. as the fifth back that these two guys are. Right. I agree. And that's what makes it different. Dexter was a one trick pony until his senior year. Let's be honest about that. These, all these kids can do, I mean, Sebo is probably the least versatile guy they have, you know what I mean? Cause he still sure. has a lot of work. He's not really a pass game guy. So it's it's just really Vince. It's a talented group. We've put a lot of pressure and expectations on them, but I don't feel reason. I don't feel bad about doing that because I think that they're more than capable of it. And I think that I think that Kyron would probably be pissed if we didn't. He'd probably take it as an insult if we thought ah, I don't know if he's going to be the best of the last twenty years. He'd probably take right. that personally, you know. Uh, it's just kind of the guy he seems he seems to be. So. I just I think this group has, has got a, a ton, a ton, a ton of talent, and I'm excited to see what they're going to do. All right, ready to jump into some comments? Yeah, let's do it. All right, man. So uh, D-Rock Irish throwing it out there. Brian's reporting full capacity at Notre Dame uh, for Notre Dame football this year, which is absolutely true. We uh, It was announced uh, right about the time we were supposed to come on live that uh, Notre Dame's going to be full capacity, so – Plan your trips. It's not a good time for me. I'm trying to I'm trying to throw down some Polito's pizza, which by the way, I'm not getting paid advertising for this. If you're if you want the best pizza in South Bend, in my opinion, it's Polito's pizza. It's kind of a wow. New York style pie. My wife actually gets this Italian sausage, pepper, and onion sandwich that the bread is actually made out of pizza dough. Mm-hmm. It's really good. You so put good. mozzarella cheese and marinara oh, on it. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of cooked peppers, so I don't I don't eat and I don't yeah. love Italian sausage like she does. Pretty darn good. She is so. Italian, so yeah. But uh, love that place and the it's a it's locally owned. It's a locally owned place. So if you're in town for a game this year, go to Polito's. It's right off Hickory, which is like right off of Angela Edison. I forget when it turns into Angela, but it's right by campus. It's really close to campus, so check it out. But I was trying to throw down some Polito's pizza as we're trying to set up our summer our summer plan for podcasts and all of a sudden the news breaks it there. So I'm like trying to shovel pizzas. I'm also trying to write a story. <laughs> it was not a good time for me, but I got but, it done. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And I don't and have any pizza sauce on my shirt. I know. So Impressive by the way. Ready to roll. So full capacity. So make your plans people, uh, mm-hmm. because, uh, it's going to be a, a rock and full house. And they mm-hmm. said, you know, they're going to do everything they can to have tailgating and just all the normal stuff that happens surrounding another football game. How it should so, be huge 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 because let me tell you walking to notre dame stadium the two games i got to go to last year walking to notre dame stadium in october whenever it was when i was going and it was silent it it just you went in september and november right okay yeah you're right went to the south florida game in september and then november to syracuse it just wasn't the same i mean it wasn't one thing i liked about it it was a lot shorter walk well yeah the park was like way on like you know Edwardsburg, Michigan is where we a lot of times where they put us to park. (laughs) The parking was great, but the the lack of anything going on outside the stadium absolutely stunk. It was horrible. It It was horrible. I love walking in on a game day and just everything that happens. Yeah, I can't wait for the Toledo game because it. I I do think it's going to be. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a party because people are going to be be freaking fired up to be back. Um, So let's see here. Oh, we got some uh, some what ups from around the country, so I'll throw them out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, R.J. Gerving uh, is from Texas, so he's he's giving his shout from Texas. R.J. G. Irving, he's from Irving, Texas. I, yep. How about? Yep. Oh, I asked this question. Remember, we that we would had, make we, sense. Yep. yep, that would make perfect sense. Uh, we've got Stephen checking in from L.A. Love so it. I'm All sure the country. 
he's DBZ. DBZ watches from on the other side of the planet, right? Oh, really? She's yeah. She's in. She's in uh, on the completely opposite side of the world when she watches. So it's like morning when she watches our shows. It's like wow. Or late at night or early morning. Yeah, it's great. And then Shannon, yeah, Shannon oh. says uh, how finals going to events. But hey, Shannon also, Shannon came up with the idea when we talked about the merch store. Yeah, he said for people that live in the colder areas, we need to have a beanie. Yeah, that's why it's there. It makes perfect sense. Right. Well, Shannon, let me tell you, final start Friday, uh, which is why our schedule is going to be jacked up a little bit. I have no free time on Friday because of finals, so I am not going to be able to participate in the mailbag. Because of finals, which is ripping my heart out uh, because that's my favorite day of the week. I have no breaks on Friday, so I go straight through, um, and uh, so I will not be able to participate, which which pains me in many ways. But uh, I will be back on Tuesday, and basically Tuesday starts our summer. Um, so rock and roll, baby. So Because we will not have a show on Monday, by the way. I'm going to be out of town. Memorial uh, Day, baby. For yeah. Memorial Day visiting family. So my That's grandmother good. just got out of the hospital yesterday. So I'm going to be back in Lima to see her and, and uh, spend some time with some family. So we will not have a show on Monday, but we'll be back at it on Tuesday. Yes, we will. Christopher, didn't Kyron make huge strides in the weight room, which led to his emergence? I mean, that was the storyline. I mean, Yeah, but it, I think that's more of a story than anything yeah, else. Yeah. I mean, look. A, a freshman had to reshape his body after his first year. Like that's the story of like every freshman ever that, you know, that, that came to Notre Dame or anywhere else, you know, guys make big right. jumps from their so freshman to sophomore years. That happens everywhere. Let's not act like Kyron didn't look good in the limited opportunities he right. had. I mean, he only had a few. And again, we saw him making plays in practice in the spring Lots and in fall them. camp. So this wasn't, you know, his, he, that's why we said at the time he should have played more, especially when they had some of the injuries, but they, were determined to redshirt him. They, Brian Kelly was determined to redshirt him in 2019, which is why they didn't use him. All right, let's see here. Shannon, do you guys think Kyron will break 1,000 yards again like he did in 2020? I do. I, I think injury. he will. Bar yeah. Of course. All of this is barring injury. I do think he will break 1,000 yards. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, if you combine receiving yards and rushing yards, I think he's going to blow by 1,000. Because that's my new way of looking at these running backs is uh, receiving yards and rushing yards to see <clears throat> where they stand uh, with everything. So, mm -hmm. yes, I do believe that that will be the case. Um, Notre Dame 2164, who also shouted out you and me earlier. So thank you, sir. Uh, or ma'am. I'm not sure. Um, it's been a while since I've been this excited about this many Notre Dame running mm -hmm. backs. Me mm -hmm. too. And we yeah. talked about it. We, we we went back in the 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 annals of, uh, you know, running back history at Notre Dame. No doubt, no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. uh, we are very excited about this group. This next one is a great question. I, I think Tim's question oh, is yes. really really good. How many looks can an no. offense realistically have? Unlimited. I mean, yes. Yeah. You now can, here's the thing, though. Define for them the difference between looks and plays. Okay, because that's that, the okay. thing is. That's is, fair. To me, that's fair. A ton of looks. That doesn't mean you run eight different plays out of each look. What it is is Tim to Tim's question, Vince. Yeah. Smaller number of concepts, higher volume of different looks. Right. That's the key. So explain yep. the difference to. So to, to, you can. That. So let's this say is a great question in my opinion. Let Let's say you're going to run. Um, uh, I don't know. Off tackle. An off tackle mm -hmm. run. Okay. Well, you can do an off-tackle run um, out of about 12 different formations, mm -hmm. and then you can add in motion, 
Um, you can add in, you know, different places where the running back lines up. Uh, you can shift to where you want to be. But the bottom line is when the ball is snapped, you need the running back basically behind yeah. the, the quarterback and you need the five offensive linemen where they're at. Right. Everything else is window dressing. That's what we right. call it. We call it window dressing. Or right? it's impacting numbers and leverage. You're, you're manipulating the Absolutely. defense with those looks. So like, yes. a perfect example, we were kind of talking about it earlier. Let's say you go 21 personnel, right, Tim? And you have two backs, a tight end, and two receivers. Okay, so on one play, you're going to run outside zone, okay, which was Notre Dame's bread and butter play last year. On one play, you have the back split, okay, and you have one of them lead blocking outside. So you run it that way. The next play, you have one of the backs in the slot to the trip side, and you're running your outside zone without a lead blocker, and you're reading an RPO out of it, bubble screen, slant, whatever. You can run a pass concept. Then out of that same look, you can run a bootleg, right? But we'll stick with the outside zone, okay? So then on the next play, you've got one running back to your left. You've got your tight end and the other running back outside as your as your you know, only receiver, and then you still have two receivers on the other side. You run your outside zone, and then you bring Chris Tyree around on a reverse fake. Okay? And then you just do what you did against Georgia Tech. If they don't respect the reverse, because remember last year they, there was a play where they had Carvin Williams and Chris Tyree on the field together. They ran an off tackle. It was like a stretch play. It was an outside zone. So when I'm talking about this play, I'm doing it for a reason. And they had a smoke with Chris Tyree on the reverse. A smoke is a fake. So he kind of faked the reverse, and, the, and I'm watching it happen. And the backside of the Georgia Tech did not move at all. They were focused on Kyle Williams, and I was like, oh, Tommy's going to probably go back to that. Well, he went back to it on the very next play, yeah, which I thought was awesome. Yes. And it went for like a 25-yard game, right? right? Ran the same exact play, but this time you just tag it to give it to the running back. Yep. And, and so all, all of that, all of that. So then you can have it to where you motion a guy out. You can go – you can you can motion a guy out. You can put – you can have you can run different RPOs out of that, but you know you can go from a under center with the similar right. thing, you know, right. and now the under center thing can even get you more RPO type of things because an art like a, if you're going to throw the screen because if you're under center they may that may be a tell to the defense that hey higher run percentage out of under center when Notre Dame's under center they're going to run the ball a lot sure. more or run play action so they may squeeze down in all of a sudden you just have the quarterback just stop take a step back and throw the bubble screen. Right backside, but you, you you see what I'm saying? So like, we just ran one play, one play with a reverse off of it, and we lined up what five different ways? Yeah, gave five yep. different looks, and that's okay. only because you know, and that's we're just off limited on my time. Head. Like we could, right. you could write down a million different ways to run right. that play. Because so, and the, to Tim's point is, those are all easy things to teach because yep. the line doesn't change, right? The, you know, the, the, they're doing the same thing. Yep. The outside zone track for the backs doesn't change. You just need to know, do I have a lead block or not? I mean, that's really yep. it. Yep. And so for to the defense, however, there's a lot going on there. And you call the same exact play every time. Yep. And with RPOs, you don't have to call a different play. It's just the quarterback makes the right decision based on what they do. The line's still blocking outside zone. Kyron Williams is still running outside zone or Chris Tyree still running outside zone. So, uh, the looks, Tim, are numerous. What you don't want to do necessarily is have 25 different plays out right. of five looks. <clears throat> exactly. I'd rather have 25 different looks in five plays. Correct. And yep. so that's what I thought made this a really a, a, a great question because you can have a ton of looks and it'll change week to week. What can't change is what you're doing out of those looks. You need to have – you need to have enough offense to where teams just can't figure you out when they're here, they're running this. 
but you don't want to have so much offense that your guys are sort of jacks right. of all trade, masters of none. Yep, I agree. That's a great question. Hey, Bob has an over under for us three and a half touchdowns for Sebo. Pro over. I'm taking the over, baby, yeah. all the way. I, I think he's going to have a lot of short yardage opportunities. And there's a red zone question here later on that we're going to get to. But I, I think Sebo is going to be um, very active in the red well, zone. Tim Priester had a tweet yesterday that, that somebody sent me where he said, uh, you know, obviously Kyron, Kyron Williams has 13 career rushing touchdowns. And uh, so he comes back. Obviously, he's Notre Dame's leader in career rushing touchdowns. But who's second? And I was proud of the Notre Dame fandom because a lot of them got it right. They said Sebo. Sebo's rushed for 10 touchdowns the last yeah. two years. He's had yep. five and five the yep. last two years. Yep. So, yeah, I, I'd be – I mean, so going under means he would produce less than he did each than of his the last average. Two seasons. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, John, I will be interested in seeing the runs to the right side of the line. I think it could be a strong side. Jarrett will be there, uh, and this fall will help decide just where. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. If they're going to mm -hmm. go with two, two freshmen on the left side and two veterans on the right, yes, I think the right side will be uh, you know, the strength of this offensive line. Maybe that changes towards the end of the season You know, once those guys really get their sea legs underneath them. But absolutely, the beginning of the season, I think the right side is the strong side. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Yep. All right. Uh, Bacchus, Tyree averaged almost seven yards of carry last year. Blows my mind how he wasn't used more. Yep. That's just a perfect Preaching statement. Preaching to the choir. Yeah. <laughs> perfect <laughs> statement. Uh, yeah. But that's uh, what I'm excited about, though, to Bacchus' yes. question is Tommy yes. Reese made a concerted effort to, to rectify that this spring. Right? Now that it's, in my opinion, more his offense, I think we're going to see – because remember, Tommy Reese – knows what it's like how effective having two backs that can be dangerous are. Yeah. He had that. A couple of the backfields we talked about were when Tommy Reese was at Notre Dame. Yep. The 2011 Jonas Gracier-Wood combo, Tommy was the quarterback on that group. And remember the, the game where Tommy beat USC as a freshman? Sear-Wood made plays that game. Robert, uh, uh, Robert Hughes made plays that game. I mean, he had multiple backs making plays that game. So I think he understands the value of of multiple backs, and is and now that he's going into his second year as a coordinator, I do think we're going to see that more. And it wasn't just in the blue gold game that we saw that. As a matter of fact, we saw it a little bit less in the blue gold game because Kyron and Tyree and Tyree were on different teams, but we saw a lot of clips in the spring where those two guys were on the field together, which is important for me. All right, uh, Brian. Oh, I had John's answer to the over under. He said he's taking the over, but he's going to have to work to keep that role. Mm -hmm. And that, that brings up the two freshmen, which we already talked about. I agree. I, I think uh, once you get to that midway point of the season, we might be able to see some of those freshmen mm -hmm. a little bit more. Uh, Brian says, Kyron Williams equals bell cow. Yes. I mean, he's the leader. I mean, he, he's the starter for sure, but I think Chris Tyree is going to have something to say yeah. about and, that. And I don't necessarily degree. want Kyron to be a bell cow in a traditional sense because I want him yes. as fresh as possible when you get to November. That That's right. my big thing. I agree. Lucas Chapman, it looks like there will be an emphasis on throwing the ball down the field this season. Do you believe that will greatly open up the running game? Could Notre Dame have two running backs rush for 1,000 yards? I'll let you start with this one. Yeah, so it's not just vertically, and I think Lucas is making a great point here. Yes, they want to throw the ball vertically, but it's also emphasizing attacking the, the, the width of the field horizontally. You have to make teams defend on the sideline, which means perimeter passes, which means bubble screens, yeah. which means RPOs, which means back shoulders if you have some bigger guys can make those plays, and for having to force them to defend the ball, the deep ball vertically. So I think both of those are, are part of that. 
which is exactly what, what Vince and I have been saying from day one. That has to happen because now that overhang defender that is kind of splitting between the slot and the tackle, he better get himself out because mm-hmm. you're not catching Avery Davis or Kyrie or whoever else on, on the perimeter stuff if you're going to be isolated. We're just going to hit those out cuts and those hitch cuts and those app option yeah. cuts in the corner. We're going to kill you all day. Our quarterback's going to complete 75% of his passes. He's going to throw for over 300 yards, and yet you stop the run. Right, you're not going to be able to do that right. if Notre Dame's effectively throwing the ball. Which now, all of a sudden, that overhang player is now cheated out towards Avery Davis, which means he's two steps further away from Kyron Williams or Chris Tyree. Which means that seven yard run turns into a seven yard run, right? And that kind of thing. And I'm being a little bit hyperbolic there, but you get the point. So yeah, I think that that certainly opens up the running game, and it, again, we t- takes pressure off the offensive line. Sure, sure. Can two backs rush for a thousand yards? I think it'd be I, tough. I, yeah. I don't know that I see that happening. I, I think they're both going to be extremely important pieces of this offense. Right. And if you combine receiving and rushing, absolutely, they're both going to be over a thousand. I just don't know that they both get over a thousand on the ground. I just and I also don't think. Look, North Carolina runs a completely different type of offense than Notre Dame does. It is very much a tempo offense, right? And and now even though they didn't, if you look at the numbers, they didn't necessarily run that many more plays than Notre Dame ran last year. So if you look at it last year, Notre Dame ran 867 plays. North Carolina's offense ran 849 plays. It's like 18 fewer plays. Notre Dame ran more plays because they were a ball control, long drive offense. But because North Carolina was a tempo team and they went so much faster, they were a far more explosive team. Sure. So if they averaged 7.6 yards per play, Notre Dame averaged 6.2 that's where the fewer plays came from. It's not that because the tempo, if, if they averaged as many yards per play as Notre Dame did, they'd have had at least 70, 80 more plays last year, in my opinion. I'm just kind of off the top of my head with the math there. But because they were so big play that, you know, their their backs didn't necessarily need the same number of touches. So, you know, when you look at Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree, they had 284 combined carries last year. If you look at Michael Carter and Javante Williams, they had 313 yeah. total carries. So there's not a big difference in total carries, but they both went for over 1,000 yards because Michael Carter averaged 7.98 yards per rush, and Javante went for 7.3 yards per rush against basically the same schedule that Notre Dame played, essentially, right. with the exception yeah. of But because they were tempo and it's RPO and spread the field and all that kind of stuff, you see more running room. You see more holes where, again, where Notre Dame may get four yards, they're getting 20 because they're so worried about Daz Newsom and Damani Brown, Deami Brown and all those receivers. And they had the, and because North Carolina forces you to defend the width and, and length of the field, it opens it up, which gets us back to the first part of Lucas's question. So I don't think Notre Dame gets there because of the difference in the type of tempo offense that they play. However, if Notre Dame does push the tempo a little bit, but they are more geared towards attacking length and width, or I should say length and width, then I think we'll see a jump in yards per carry, which will get them close. But to Vince's point, I care more about those two being more effective as an all-around type of situation. Because the other thing about the North Carolina running backs is they both caught 25 passes and they combined for 572 yards receiving. I think Notre Dame is going to blow past that with their two running backs. I mean, their leading running back at 305 yards receiving. I think Kyron's, Kyron had more than that last year. And they both caught 25 balls. That's 50 balls between the two of them. Notre Dame's two guys caught 43 balls in an offense that didn't use the running backs a ton to catch the football. Right. And those two guys combined for 12 catches in the Alabama game. 
I think that's where the, the change is going to come. I could see Notre Dame's two running backs getting close to North Carolina's, if not surpassing them, in total yards, not necessarily rushing yards. I agree. Skyler, Brian, we've heard it before from BK about getting two backs on the field. Jafar was hurt, but they never really pushed to get two backs on. Please tell me I will see Kyron and Tyree on the field at the same time a lot. I think we will. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't – Everything is pointing to the fact that they, there will be many times where the both of them will be on the field together. Yeah, I think we'll see it, but I don't think we're going to see it like 35 times a game. Yeah, because it'll, otherwise, it'll be a wrinkle for sure. Yeah, other, I mean, I, I want to see it about 10 times a game is about what I want to see it. Maybe 10 to 15 times a game. Yeah, okay. because the other thing too is, Vince, is now all of a sudden if you're doing it 35, 40 times a game, that's half the game. Now well, all of a sudden true. you've got a lot more tendencies. It becomes less of a wrinkle and it becomes yeah. just who you are. Yep. Right. And it's kind of like when you overdo 12 and 13 personnel at tight end, it's no longer a wrinkle. It's now just who you are. And teams okay. can better prepare for it. The other part is now you, you've got two backs who aren't huge that are now getting both getting a, a ton of, of touches. Rep. Yeah, that's a good point. So that that's as I want to see it. You know, you give it to me 10 to 15 times a game. Now, there may be some games where they're just killing teams with it and they just roll with sure. it. I mean, because that's the thing is, too, right? Like, hey, we had our game plan and we're going to do all these different things, but they have yet to stop our first. I mean, I've been in games, Vince, and I don't know if you've ever done this, where we ran the script and just mm-hmm. two touchdowns. By the time our script was over, and which is 15 plays, we had scored twice. And so our OC was like, hey, let's do that again. And we <laughs> repeated the script right. and scored again because – Hey, why do we need to run 18 different plays if they haven't stopped the first yeah. two? Right? Yeah, good point. Um, you know, there was a series, I can't remember when it was, uh, a couple years ago under Chip Long where Notre Dame, no, it was when he was at Memphis where uh, they ran for like 300-some th- th- yards, and we saw this again at Notre Dame in 2017 where they basically just ran the same play left and right. It's like, well, until you stop G-Scheme, we're going to keep running because you yeah, can't stop exactly. it. Exactly. So there may be some games like that to Skyler's question, but I, I think just on on the game plan standpoint, I think ten to fifteen plays a game is is that sweet spot where you're not overusing that group. You're still making it to where they have other things to play for, and you're also not putting too much tread on the tires of your of your, of your top two backs, who neither of which are big guys. Now I thought this question was very interesting. I'm really, I really want to know what you have to say here. Notre Dame twenty one sixty four says if Dexter Williams was on the roster this year. Where would he be on the depth chart? And he's saying the 2018 version of Dexter Williams. So when he kind of put it all mm-hmm. together, I guess. So where would he put fall it all together? Chart? He put it all together after being suspended for the first four games for an off the field incident. So really I mean, let's not forget that that that's where Dexter was. And then throw up Bacchus's question because Bacchus has an opinion on that. Uh, Bacchus does have an opinion. He said he would be number one. He was an animal once healthy. I think he'd be number two at best. I was going to say three. So yeah. let, let me explain why. Okay. Versatility is why for me. Well, not just Go that, ahead. but Dexter, Dexter just wanted to run the ball. That's it. He didn't really want to pass block. He didn't really want to care about catching the ball, although he made some plays, you know, catching the ball his final year, but Dexter just wanted to run. Dexter mm-hmm. also wasn't the most efficient running back either. <laughs> There's a lot of plays where Dexter got minus two when he should have got plus five. Sure. Right. And and that's something that always kind of hurt Dexter. Now, was Dexter a big play weapon? Yeah. Yeah. But there were times when, you know, Dexter was a little bit better when he wasn't necessarily getting a ton of touches. And and I think you kind of saw him too wear down a little bit at the end of that 2018 season, you know, where he wasn't quite as effective sure. down the stretch as he was early in the season. 
especially from an efficiency standpoint. Because again, he you know when he when he gets to game five against Stanford, everybody else has got four games under their belt. Dexter's fresh, and so he kind of went off a little bit in in that game. But you know, two you know two of the the two best defenses, the three best defenses Notre Dame played that year were Pitt, Northwestern, and Clemson. In those games, Dexter averaged 2.4, 3.0, and 3.4 yards per carry because of that lack of efficiency. And when teams were able to stop the run game, there was no, there was nothing you were going to do with Dexter that was going to then all of a sudden hurt them. Whereas with mm-hmm. Kyron and Chris, you have so much more versatility uh, that that you can do more things to hurt teams when they're not running a ball. Where with Dex, it was he was going to run the ball, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I just, I, I go from a versatility standpoint. I. I like uh, Tyree and I like Kyron Williams better. Twenty years ago, my answer might have been different. More. Ten years ago, more yeah. And ten yeah, years yeah. ago, twenty years ago, my answer would have been different because back then, all the running back really had to do was run the football. Right. It's a different game now. Running backs have to be able to do everything, and Dexter was not. Dexter was great at running. He was okay in the pass game, and he was borderline useless as a pass blocker. Yeah, exactly. And that that's kind of how I fall too. So. Uh, I'm sure we'll upset Bacchus on that one. I apologize, but that's just how I feel. Uh, Kenny Moore, setting the over-unders pretty high here, Yeah, uh, in my opinion. He says, uh, if I set the over-under on Kyron for touchdowns and catches at 15 touchdowns and 50 catches, what would you take? Uh, now, can I ask a question on that, go, Vince? Go ahead. Go ahead. Are, are we talking total touchdowns? I or believe are we talking he is. just rushing touchdowns? I think he's okay. talking total. Okay. Um, he's talking total touchdowns. I think 15 is a big number. Is it 14 uh, last year? Did he really? Yeah, had 13 rushing and one receiving. Well, maybe that's maybe that's where uh, that 15 came from. Yeah, I'm um, gonna go over and under. That okay? I was gonna go I under gonna on go both. Over on the touchdowns, under on the catches. Because I was gonna go, to, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was go gonna ahead. say I was gonna go under on both, but now that you said he had 14 last year, and I was one less game. That's. But um, the, the the counter to that is now is Chris Tyree going to get more opportunities? Exactly. For right. Yeah. Right. I I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with yeah. my under because I feel like they're going to spread the ball out a little bit more. Um. So I will take the under on both, but I'm not as confident in the under on the touchdowns as I was about five yeah. minutes ago. I think he could rush for ten touchdowns and still get there because I think he's going to have more receiving touchdowns. Sure. This year. I get that. Uh, I'm going to take over on, on. He'll at least push. Right on the 15. Since he okay. did give it a no, he didn't go a half. He went with a solid number. He's at least going to push on the touchdowns. I'm going to go under on the catches because I really think, I think that there's going to be some games where he's not going to catch the ball as much, where he's going to be used more as a decoy because teams are going to try to play it. But I also think he's going to be more of a higher yards, lower catches. Sure, if that makes sense. I get that, Brian. I am going to bug out here if you don't mind. I yep. have a lot of stuff to get ready for tonight. Got a playoff um, game tonight, right? Playoffs start tonight. So uh, hopefully I'll have practice tomorrow. That's the okay. plan. Uh, playing a very tough team. But, uh, Is it wrong that I'm secretly rooting for you not to win because I want to get back to being able to do shows with you every day? I'm, I'm, I get it. Is that I get wrong? it. That's selfish. That's not selfish because uh, <laughs> you, and, you and my wife could probably hang out together tonight on that one. For completely uh, she, different reasons. Because yes. she wants me at home a little yeah. bit more often. But we'll hopefully the gold and blue uh, mm-hmm. tonight are, are victorious. So – um anyway thanks everybody i really appreciate it and uh i will be on tomorrow which is uh an an odd thursday appearance for me so uh but i will be back on tomorrow and we'll talk a little bit of defense brian so um i assume you see where we're at yep okay i will talk to you later thanks vince all right liam gaming let's get back to the questions here uh liam says 
How do you think the they will scheme the running back with an experienced offensive line? I, I think they're going to still scheme it similar ways. I think this is going to be a very athletic offensive line, though. So I think we're going to see more outside zone. I think we're going to see a little bit more pulling this year, whereas last year you kind of had big thumpers at guard. So you, a lot of the inside zone, the outside zone was important. You know, Tommy Kramer wasn't really a guy you were going to do a lot of pulling and trapping with. He was a guy you wanted to hammer people with. Same with Aaron Banks. With this group of t- of guards, I think it's a more athletic group. I think Rocco's a very good athlete. I think Andrew Kristoffik's a very good athlete. Obviously, Jarrett Patterson's a very good athlete. So I think we're going to see a, not just the, the zone, so a lot of the fast swipe stuff, which is what outside zone is, but also I think we're going to see some some more pulling and trapping from this group as well, I think is something we could see. And I think that's going to – those are things that are going to help make this group be more effective. So, I mean, they'll still run the inside zone. But, you know, I think what we'll see at the inside zone is they're going to be – hopefully teaming a lot of the RPOs with the inside zone to help soften that up and take some of that pressure off of the, the backside and then getting to the second level. D-Rock says, agree with ball security in 2020. Notre Dame at 11 turnovers, eight fumbles, interceptions. This tied their 2019 mark and was just behind the team's all-time fewest of 10 in 1993 by the 11-1 and Irish. And I think the eight fumbles is kind of a high number for a team uh, to lose eight fumbles. That's that's a high number. And that's where, like you said, they 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 have to improve. Okay, here we go. John Climax says, CJ Pro, good call. 2015 was an odd year rushing-wise, good year, but I think CJ ran it 150 times, Adams 110, and then Kaiser uh, 140. But the problem with that, though, was, again, those they were not part of the backfield together per se, meaning there weren't a lot of games where they were hammering teams with both guys. It was CJ was the dude until he got hurt, and then Josh took over. If you go back and look at Josh's production until the moment CJ got hurt, he had like five t- catches, five carries, and two touchdowns against Texas, right? In the opener. Because in that game, Torian Folson was the back. He got hurt. And then, then they kind of CJ and Josh both had to step in. Well, after that, CJ just became the go to guy. And we didn't see much of Josh. The only other time Josh had three carries against Virginia, two against Georgia Tech, two against Clemson, one against South Carolina, none against, or excuse me, South, Southern Cal, one, none against Temple. And then 20, 17, 13, 18, 14. The only game where he got good touches was eight against Navy and 13 against UMass in blowout wins where he got his touches in mop-up duty. So, and then late in the year, he goes 20 for 147, 17 for 141, 13 for 39, 18 for 168, and then 14 for 78. And CJ Prosize played like two of those games and he got hurt in both of those two games he played because he got hurt against Pitt. Uh, which was the breakout game for for Josh Adams. So the only game those two guys carried the ball a lot was the UMass game because one was mop-up duty, and then the pit game because CJ got hurt and Josh came in. Um, and he says, but Adams and, and CJ both averaged over 6.5 yards per carry. Yeah, they were both big play weapons. But again, the problem with Josh was when Josh was actually a lot better as a freshman, in my opinion, than he was as a junior. A lot of people may think I'm nuts for saying that, but I, I thought he was a better player as a freshman. He was more efficient, more elusive. He wasn't just always looking for the home run. He he stuck with it. But, uh, you know, that was a really good one-two punch. It just wasn't a one-two punch together. What I'm talking about is two guys being used at the same time in the same backfield. And at the same time doesn't mean always on the field together, but as part of the game plan. And we didn't see that. Uh, John also says, I would be surprised, though, if Adams and CJ caught 40 passes combined. Well, actually, they did catch a lot of passes because CJ caught a lot of balls that year. CJ caught 26 passes that year. Josh caught seven. So they were at 33. CJ was definitely used as as a pass game weapon that year. 
Uh, he caught five against USC, five against Temple, four against Clemson for 100 yards. Remember, he caught that wheel route for like a 50-some yard touchdown. Uh, he They would have got to 40 that year if C.J. didn't get hurt, I think. Elijah Mills says, I like what I saw from Chris Terry in the spring game, especially the few times he was lined up outside. I agree with you. Brian Dembo says, Chris had nagging hamstrings. Uh, did you see that this spring? No, we saw him in every practice, and he looked healthy in, in the uh, the blue-gold game. Backus Thompson says, we have to use Tyree in the return game. It's a must. And, it, and to his point, I, I they used him in the return game last year. I mean, he was their primary kick returner. What I'm talking about, and Backus, I'm curious if you're talking about this too, is they needed to do more things where they actually try to promote him getting more big plays in the, in the return game. It was kind of a generic – their scheme and kick return is very dull and generic, and it's just kind of like get it and just get as much as you can. And there was a couple times where I think Chris maybe could have hit it a little bit better, but overall it's just about you, you, they got to get a little bit more creative with that at times, but then to promote, hey, look, you get it a couple yards deep, we're okay with you taking it out because we're willing to sacrifice getting pinned at the 15 a few times if it also means there's a few times where you're going to get it out to the 50 or beyond. So I would I would take those chances. And Brian Dembo agrees. Yes, watching number 25 scream down the sideline and return gives me goofs bumps. Yes, brings you back to the old late 1980s and 1990 with the, the, the dynamic, explosive uh, number 25. Bacchus Thompson said North Carolina had a better offense, period. No convincing needed. Look at the numbers. I would agree with that. John Klimek, I want to see how Tommy plays the chess match. A linebacker on either our running back or mayor is a mistake. Should be interesting. I agree. It's going to be a lot. He's going to have some weapons to work with this year. There's no question about it, and I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do. Tyler William, first-time commenter. Appreciate the content. Well, I expect the Notre Dame offense to evolve. My concern is red zone efficiency. With two dynamic backs, Michael Marin and healthy Kevin Austin, Notre Dame's red zone efficiency has to improve, right? Tyler, to me, it's not about the players. It's how you use the players. The fact is, last year they had uh, they had Michael Mayer, and they, he caught two touchdowns. They didn't really use him. Their red zone plan last year wasn't effective. To your point, however, if used correctly, this should be a really good red zone offense. And I would throw in guys like Avery Davis, guys like Lawrence Keyes as well, on crossing routes in the screen game, which can be very effective in this in this the uh, red zone as well, especially if you can establish the run game. If you can establish the run game inside the 20 and teams start kind of tightening the box a little bit, that's when you can bang a bubble outside. That's when you can get like a little tunnel screen to, to, to rip off a big play. Even if you don't score on it, it gets you first and goal, right? And where Notre Dame was really good last year was when they could get in like short goal-to-go situations, they were, they were going to score nine times out of ten. Touchdowns nine times out of ten. So I think those are the things that, that when Notre Dame would stall, they'd stall kind of back. You know, they'd get first and 10 to 15 and not gain a yard because they'd go pass, pass, pass. I think those are the things. And Coach Reese talked about this in, in his postseason interviews. He talked about how, look, there were things we did schematically that, that weren't effective, that didn't utilize our advantages, our one-on-one -on -one advantages, our personnel. He he admitted to that, and I really liked that. And I think it's going to result in – and hopefully it's going to result in more success. But a big part of that is there's more pressure on the offensive line when you get in the red zone because – you can't spread teams out quite as much as you can when you're out on the field. Okay, Jack Foote says, if you guys do a show where you break down play ideas, could you include drawing visuals to see what you're talking about? Jack, that's something we have been looking into for a while. It's just we haven't found any tech yet that allows us to do that without having to get on a whiteboard. Now, we've 
thought about doing some shows, but it's kind of difficult for right now for me to get up, turn the computer, show the, the chalkboard and draw a play up if it's something that we're doing incognito. There may be some shows where we do that. So what we're looking into is some trying to find some tech and just haven't been able to find it yet where, you know, I could kind of write up some stuff on a, you know, like a on a computer pad or something like that, that would then show up when we do the share screen. So it's something that we've been working on, but right now we just haven't been able to find the tech to do it. We can't just draw Notre Dame plays up. Like we can't just find Notre Dame clips because then we run the risk of them pulling copyright and all this other kind of stuff and then getting our, our, our strikes against our channel, which we just can't afford to do uh, since this kind of helps us pay the bills. Uh, the Trek reviewer uh, is Irish. Is Logan Diggs any relation to Stefan Diggs? I do not believe so. Stefan Diggs was, is from the Northeast. Logan is from Louisiana. Now there may be some long connections there, but I, as far as I know, I, I don't. I don't believe that they're related. John Rich says about Logan Diggs: plants foot, changes laterally, hits top speed quickly. Absolutely, absolutely, I love it. And Brandon talks about Aldrick Estime is looking straight ripped, could have the same potential impact as Jerome Bettis instead of bust. Dude looks like a semi. I like it. I like it. Tyler Wayne with a second question for the show. What, who does Jadarian Price compare to with running backs on the current roster? Uh, you know, he's probably more like Chris Tyree than he is Kyron, but I think he he's a little bit more natural catching the ball as a receiver. And by that, I mean he's more of a, a kind of a one-cut-and-go guy. He can make people miss, but he's not as, as elusive and sudden as Kyron. So he's he's like a lot like Chris Tyree without the same level of speed. I think he's probably got more speed than Kyron did at the same age. But I think style of play-wise, Tyler, I think he's he resembles more of Chris Tyree than he does uh, Kyron Williams. O Grimm says, any chance we see all five at some point in the season? I think all five running backs will get carries this year. There's no point in redshirting running backs, but also with the to the to even beyond that, the fact is with the with the redshirt rule where you can play what was it like three, four games? Now there's even less reason to redshirt running backs completely, and you're going to want to take opportunities to get those guys touches. So yeah, I expect uh, it's four. You can play four games and still redshirt because Kyron Williams played four. So yeah, I think we'll see those guys get carries even if to your other part of your question, even with no injuries. Um, yes. Yeah, I absolutely think so. Joe Brogdon says, will estimate get considerable touches? I mean, I think right now he's got some dudes he's got to beat out first to get considerable touches. But, you know, we've kind of hinted on this in past shows. If he can beat out Logan Diggs, first of all, uh, and and then push push Sebo Flemister, then, yeah, I think he could be that third back, and the third back's going to get 50, 50, 60 carries. I think there's also an opportunity where if they want to remove some of the wear and tear on on Kyron and he is that third back that he could then become your short yards goal line back because he does have such nimble feet. He's a big guy, but he can also get low, which a lot of taller backs have a trouble doing. Audric estimate if he is legit six foot, six one, but even at six foot, he runs a really good pad level for a big guy. So does Logan Diggs. Those are two things that both of those guys are not your typical taller backs. They have they're very they're built low to the ground and they run with really good pad level. Brandon says, is the polo going to be on the merch store? If so, what are the colors? So I'll tell you what, the merch store is not done yet. It's because we just had someone do a test buy last night. A friend of mine buy a hat last night. And we got to go through the process to make sure that everything works out from getting the money and then getting the money to to print full and the shipment being and all that. So we're still dealing with that. So it's still in the test phase. But what I will do is I will show you 
the my wife has finished the design for the merch store, so I can kind of show you uh, some of those things. So if y'all want to just take a second, I can share that with you since Brandon asked. So essentially, this is going to be their merch store. So we have, uh, let me take this down. So we have um, the FlexFit cap, which just comes in blue. We'll have the snapback, which is going to come into three different colors. Okay, so that is going to come in two different colors of blue, and then it's going to come in that color. Okay, so we'll have that. We'll have the uh, trucker cap, which will come in a couple different colors as well. It's going to have that, and then my wife really likes that one, so she wanted me to put that one in the store. So you'll have those two colors for the trucker cap, All right? And then what was – oh, and here we go. This is what I'm excited about. So this is the gap closers gear. So we will have gap closers t-shirts and a gap closer hoodie. The shirts come in, let me pull it up here. The shirts come in uh, dark gray and uh, blue and then also white. We have that over here. So this is the same shirt, but I couldn't put white in with the same because I had to redesign it to make, uh, when on this one, we had to redesign it to make it to where the colors and the logo were different color because the white on white just didn't look good. So you see that in white and then also in a lighter gray. So you get that in that color. The polo, which you asked about, is going to come in three colors. It's going to come in two types of grays. So this is a, so you've seen the one that I have on. That's this one. Okay. That's the one I have on now. And then you can also get it in a darker gray and then it'll come in white as well. So you can get that in three different colors. And then we'll have a, another Irish breakdown hoodie got a women's shirt, which comes in multiple colors. That's going to come in. Let's see here. Uh, I think three different colors. So the, the gray, the Navy, and then pink. And then, uh, got a long sleeve shirt, which is going to come in five different colors. Some of them I like, some of them I don't come in Navy, come in a darker gray, a lighter, uh, that's a, excuse me, a, like a military green, lighter gray, and then white. So that is the long, that's the long sleeve shirt. And then there's the beanie. So that is for, uh, uh, that is for, uh, so who, who was it that asked about that? Um, Shannon, Shannon asked about that. So my guy, Shannon asked about that one. And then the, the gap closers hoodie and the Irish breakdown hoodie are going to come in multiple colors as well. You can get that one in gray or Navy blue. And then the Irish breakdown hoodie is going to come in a couple different colors of gray, uh, and Navy blue, and then a lighter gray. So that is, that's the merch store. So that's what we got going. We got a visor in there, got the mug in there. Um, so yeah, so that's the merch store. So I'm very, very excited about that. So I don't know what y'all will like, but that's what we got going on. So I'm uh, I'm very fired up to, to have that. Uh, my guy, John Climac with the big shout out for the gap closers. But yeah, so I'm, I'm very excited about the merch store. We'll see. I mean, you know, we'll see if we make any money off of it, but it's at least going to be fun. And that's, uh, that was, that was a big part of it. So I had a lot of fun putting it together and you know, made my first sale last night. I think I made 50 cents off that first sale <laughs> for some, for a lot of different reasons, but, uh, um, yeah. So Brandon, thanks for asking that. But, uh, yeah. So now, now, now you have an answer on the, what the polo is going to look like. So it will come in different colors. Richard Robinson says great running back depth this year. My brother watched estimate play a few times last year. He called him a beast. Won't be surprised if he is not a pleasant surprise this year. He'll have a shot. He'll, he'll have a shot. Um, RJG Irving, Rocco's is best. I like Polito's better than Rocco's. I like Rocco's pizza a lot. I like Polito's. We we discovered Polito's a couple years ago. 
uh, when I was at BGI, we had a, a Christmas party at Polito's and uh, had their pizza. I was like, oh my, it was so good. And my wife, who's who was born in Long Island, is a snob when it comes to New York pizza, like total snob. And she loves their pizza as well. So um, Larry Friedel says, be sure to hit the QP while in Lima. I always do. Every time I'm back home, I grew up in Lima. So I obviously we went to QP a lot as kids and we lived real close to QP. And every time we did like a field trip, it, it, when I went to Bath, every time we did a field trip, Bath is actually the name of a school, not when I took a bath. Um, but but uh, every time we, we went on a field trip or something, we'd always go to QP. So lots of fun memories. And the one by our house is still open. So I was there a month ago when I went and saw my grandma. And I'll obviously go there again uh, this weekend. I'll do I do Fat Jack's Pizza and I do QP every time I'm in town in Lima. So I have to hit those every time. Caleb Collins says, for two running backs to have 1,000 yards, there will need to be a game like UNC versus Miami. I agree with that. No, I agree with that completely. And, and you know, But that's part of the deal. I mean, and to, to, show, to show his point, in the Miami game, here's the other thing too, though, that you have to remember, Caleb, is there is, there is that, right? And so in the Miami game, uh, Michael Carter ran for 308 yards and Javante William ran for 236 yards. But consider something else they both only played 11 games, you know? So if you cut off 200 yards off of their games and they both only go for like Michael Carter goes for 108 in that game, right? So let's just say I think he only goes for 108. So take 200 yards off. He's still over a thousand in uh, 11 games. If you Javante Williams rushed for 236. So if you took 136 off of his and he only rushed for hundred that game, he's still over a thousand in 11 games. So, yeah, you need some big games like that, and those weren't the only big games those guys had. Michael Carter had 214 yards against Virginia Tech. Uh, Javante – actually, Javante had more 100-yard games last year. That was the only huge game that he had. Michael had that big game, which is why he ended up leading the team in rushing is those two big games. So two of the three highest games that they had last year were both from from Michael Carter. But, again, remember, they didn't play – they only played 11 regular season games, and neither of them played in the bowl game. So they only played 11 games last year. So I get your point, but that's what Toledo's for. That's what Navy's for. That's what Purdue is for and, and teams like that. And then, Jordan, we kind of addressed this. Uh, this is the best depth at running back for Notre Dame since – I mean, since 2017 for sure as far as just immediate depth. Because you remember that year, Josh Adams went for over 1,000 yards. Dexter averaged like nine yards a carry that, that year. Tony Jones Jr. had really good production that year when he was healthy. He went for – uh, 5.3 yards per carry. He had over 200 yards rushing. Dexter had over 300 yards rushing. Deion McIntosh had over 300 yards rushing. Josh Adams had over 1,400 yards that year. And then C.J. Holmes is your number five, who was uh, a, a four-star back. So, I mean, definitely the best since then. As far as But as far as pure five deep, I'd take this group over that group, in my opinion, because I think there's far more complete backs in this. I mean, beyond that, I mean, as far as one through five, I mean, you, you had you had Theo Riddick as a receiver, but you had Sear Wood, Jonas Gray, Armando Allen, and Robert Hughes in 2010, right? Uh, that was a pretty good that was a pretty good backfield. You had after that, you'd probably have to go back to the Lou Holtz years to 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 find a running back that just talent wise one through five could really hang with this group. That's a it's a good thought to have. All right, Tyler. 
I'm gonna say DJack. I'm gonna take a guess there. I hope I don't get that wrong, Tyler. If I do, my apologies. Appreciate the content. First time commenter. Thank you to you and Tyler both comment. Uh, actually, was it the uh, the other guy named Tyler as well? Yes, Tyler Williams. So two Tylers making their their appearances here, replacing the Dylans, perhaps. Appreciate the content. First time commenter. While we all agree Notre Dame offense will evolve, does that solve our red zone issues? That two back our two back sets the answer. Plus Mayer and a healthy Kevin Austin. And that was um, is this the yeah no okay so yeah that was uh actually is Tyler William maybe that's the same person so maybe we don't have two Tyler's we have the same person yeah I think I addressed that one earlier when we talk about how the evolution has to also involve your scheme in the red zone Notre Dame had schematic problems in the red zone they had play calling problems in the red zone this year that Tommy Reese has himself addressed publicly so they're aware of it they just need to they need to be. Now they just need to fix it. Not so much horizontal stretches, but more high-low stretches, more vertical stretches, more better efficiency in a run game, more screens, more isolations. All those things are important parts of it. And he addressed a lot of those things in his post, uh, post actually during the spring interview. Jordan Schreiber says, Schreiber says, is Tyree as good as a receiver as Kyron Williams? No. He's very good as just a pure out-of-the-backfield receiver. I think, you know, just like in the run game, Chris Tyree's a, a threat to score every time he, he has a chance to touch the ball. What where Kyron separates himself, not just from Chris Tyree, but from just about any back in the country, is Kyron can literally line up at wide receiver and play like a wide receiver in the slot or outside. I mean, that's what he did for a lot of his career. He can run vertical routes, he can run corners, he understands how to run top ends, he knows how to manipulate the defender, you know, he knows how to, you know, he knows about leverage and stems and all those kind of things. And there just aren't many backs that are that are that good. Jordan Schreiber says, do you think Sebo is better than Estimate today and Diggs today? Yeah, because he's got experience. I mean, that's a big part of it. I mean, experience matters to the degree of today. Those guys haven't gotten it in the playbook yet. Uh, is he more talented than those two guys today? No, but, but talent doesn't always equal the better player. Uh, but Physically, no, he's not better than those guys. Is he ahead of those guys right now? Absolutely. Omar Austin says, estimating Diggs behind a line with Fisher, Spindler, and Baker with three years of season is exciting. And throw Jadarian Price in there as well. I mean, you know, so that's a that that there's some really, really, really good potential there. And then, you know, you talk about Michael Carmody is going to be part of that. You've got Joe Alt up and coming. You've got Joey Tanona and Ty Chan already committed at, at, at an offensive line. I love where Notre Dame is at with Billy Shrout. I love where they're at with Carson Hinsman. So yeah, there's gonna there's gonna be a potential to have some really good blockers in front of those big talented backs in the future. CJ came in as a receiver. No, actually, he came in as a safety. Uh, CJ Prosize played safety as a freshman at Notre Dame. Then he moved to receiver. Ended up starting in 2014 as a wide receiver. Caught had over 500 yards receiving that year, I believe. I'm gonna look that up real quick. But I believe he did. Yes, he had 29 catches for 516 yards in 2014. Also rushed for about 126 yards, 75 of which came against you at LSU. If you remember, he had a 50-yard touchdown. But no, CJ actually came to Notre Dame as a safety. He played safety as a true freshman. He was recruited as a safety, moved to receiver, then went to running back. Let's see here. D-Rock is the great reminder, my friend. Thank you. Hit the like button before you leave. Please hit the like button. Help us out. Hit the no hit subscribe to our channel. Hit the notification bell. 
Feel free to leave any questions or comments. The more interaction that we have with each each show, the more likes, the more comments, the more responses, the more shares. Share this with your friends. The more our channel grows, and that means the more we can do, the more money we have to invest in technology to make our shows even better. So, yes, appreciate that reminder, D-Rock. Irvin Castaneda says, I heard a few weeks ago that you are a history buff. I taught history many years and have a history connection to the story I shared about becoming a Notre Dame fan. Can you give me your email so I can send? Yeah, it's my email is simple. It's brian at irishbreakdown.com. So uh, my name with a B right there, B-R-Y-A-N, which you'll see, let's see here, right there at irishbreakdown.com. So very, very easy to get a hold of me that way. Let's see here. John Klimek has a comment to Tyler, to Williams red zone comment. A Buckner package is intriguing as well. That's not to say that it's all I want Buckner practicing though. I agree with you completely. I think that could also add some value to their red zone success for sure. Absolutely. Let's see here. Brandon Manning says estimate reminds me of Mark Ingram. That's not, and I'd say he's a bigger version of Mark Ingram. If, if you're going to, if you're going to do that comparison, I mean, he's, he's got an even bigger, bigger body for that as well. Tyler, uh, in response to John's comments, uh, agree. Another player to account for, whatever helps a score. Tired of seeing drives result in field goals instead of touchdowns in big games. Agree completely. And especially uh, missed field goals. Jonathan says the store looks great. I appreciate it. And we're hoping to have that done by the end of the week. We just got to get some more testing done and some security done and just make sure that these orders go through because I don't want people paying money and then their orders aren't being processed. So as soon as that all is done, and we're hoping it's done the next couple of days, We'll be ready to rock and roll. Maddie K55, do you think Notre Dame will be at full capacity this fall? I really want to see these backs in person before one leaves. Obviously, you missed the beginning of the show, Maddie. It has been reported. We reported this right before the show started. That's why we were a little bit late. Notre Dame announced that they will be at full capacity this season, including trying to get tailgates back going and all those type of things. So that is very, very, very good news. Um, Jonathan says also with Notre Dame back to full capacity, a chance we could have an IB community meetup at a game. I'd love that. I, the, the hard part for me, however, is planning that kind of thing, because for me, it's, I've got content. I, we're going to have, we're going to have daily shows. We're going to have daily, uh, podcasts we're going to be doing. I've got all the written content that I have to do for the website. We have to do obviously all the, all the, uh, you know, I have radio bits. I'm now going to be up to three or four radio spots during the week, at least during the fall, uh, we have to cover press conferences. It's hard for me to then also plan those things. So if it's one of those things where if some of y'all decided that you wanted to kind of coordinate an, an IB meet and greet, and we wanted to maybe turn one of the mailbags, plan some, that'd be a ton of fun. We used to do something without, when I was at uh, Irish sports daily with Mike Frank, he would do a thing at this pizza place that has since closed down, but he would, you know, a couple times a year, like Fridays of, of home games, he'd have people meet at this pizza place. Like, I'd be all for that. But it's just, it's going to be hard for me to plan that, is, is the thing. Tyler asks, is Jalen Sneed an ideal rover? He plays defensive end for his high school. How do you evaluate his film if he can cover? I, he's going to start at rover. I don't think he's going to stay at rover. I, I think that his number one trait, the thing that they said to him is, we love your pass rushing and we want to use you as a pass rusher. I think what this is about is more about when he gets here as a freshman, using him as a rover allows you to use him on the edge and in space. I don't think he's going to be playing rover the same way that Nolan Ziegler is going to be playing rover. I think it's going to be more as a, you know, just using him in zone, but using him as a pass rusher it is to me where they're going to, is where they're going to utilize that more, more often. So 
Um, yeah, I see that now. Same guy. I kind of figured it out. I was like, man, that question seems really familiar. Uh, so, so no worries about that. Uh, Matty K55 says, I feel like Sebo kind of gets lost in the running back talks, but how do you see his role this year increase, decrease, or same almost? Also, why didn't Sebo play much against Clemson or Bama, in your opinion? Well, part of the reason it, the, the second part is because, you know, Brian Kelly has said that the backup running backs were just used to give, uh, to give uh, Kyron Williams breathers, and they didn't really run a lot of plays in either of those games, and they kind of stuck with uh, they kind of they uh, they stuck with just the base offense, and, and so that was really the big thing, and and um, they didn't really change much at all. So I think that was a big part of it. As far as Sebo's role, I think it'll be about the same going into fall camp. He's going to have to battle to keep it that way because he's got two very good backs behind him. Uh, I like Sebo. He's a really good kid. I think he runs hard. He just has some personality that I really like. I just like the kid. The two guys ahead of him are just better than he is, and, and that's not a knock on him. As Vince said at the beginning of the show, there's several teams on Notre Dame's schedule that would probably love to have Sebo as their RB1. It's just that Notre Dame, their top two guys are really good, and the two up-and-comers behind him are more versatile and, and better athletes. But Sebo's going to be tough to supplant if he's if he's healthy and if he's ready to go and all the stuff is ready to rock and roll. He's going to be tough to supplant. But it's that's what happens when you recruit the way Notre Dame has recruited running back the last three years, which is you brought in some really, really talented players. you got to battle for your job, and you've got to make sure that you're on your P's and Q's and producing on a daily basis. I think especially in Sebo's case, since he is a senior and those two guys are younger, he needs to be head and shoulders above them. Because otherwise, you say, well, if it's close, maybe you play the young guy who's going to be here for a few more years, and you get him some reps and some opportunities. Especially since there's a chance Kyron could be gone. You know, you if you're going to lose Kyron and Sebo in the same offseason, if the freshmen are close to Sebo, then then they're going to play over him. So he's got to be def- definitely better than to to secure that spot in the field. At least that's how it should work, in my opinion. John, see here, John Rich says the heights of the young tight ends could present matchup nightmares in the red zone and multiple tight end alignments. I agree. I think the whole tight end depth chart, you know, Michael Mayer, 6'5", George Takis is 6'6", and then the young guys, Kane, 6'4", and he's athletic. Then Mitchell Evans is 6'5", 6'6", so absolutely. Oh, and John Klimek, oh, and an Avery Davis Wildcat package in the red zone as well. Um, live show from the IB tailgate. That, that'd be a lot of fun. That'd be a lot of fun. Um John Climate going to need an IB flag for a tailgate meetup. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, Tyler asks, this is the last question we have, and then we're going to wrap up. I believe this is the – yep, this is the last question we have. Over, under on commits in June, I believe I heard Mike Singer say he expects they're going to get to 5 to 10 between the 22 and 23 classes. That's a big range. 5 to 10, there's a big difference between that. 5, easy. Easy 5. I, I can see them getting at least one offensive lineman. I think they'll get two linebackers. I think they'll get at least one defensive back and in, in there, and I think we'll have a couple other surprises. So I'd probably put the the sweet spot, if I were to get like narrowed down, so not like a big 5 to 10 range, but a little bit narrower, I'd say probably 7 to 8 in 2022. Now, if you get into 2023, I could see a couple 2023 guys pop in the summer, but I'm a little less uh, – I'm I'm a little less ready to jump on that as Mike is simply because I think some of the offers are going to be about okay you need to then come and can't can't work out a camp and impress. So I think that's that's kind of something that would factor into that as well. So if you if you if 
if you're going to put the two classes together, I think it's more nine to 10 as opposed to five to 10. If you put the two classes together and Notre Dame only gets five this in June, I'll be shocked, shocked if they get, if they get less than five of both classes. Now, I would also say that some of that could be a couple guys are going to commit probably, in my opinion, a couple guys are going to commit silently as well, uh, but uh, and and still want to take some visits. And as as we all know, Notre Dame doesn't necessarily like it. They don't they don't want guys to go public if you're not if you're going to also take visits. And so that's a big part of it as well. So that is it. So you guys got a chance to see a little bit of the merch store. Um, as I said, I would I'd be all for as we get close to the season, I'd be all for a, an Irish breakdown meetup tailgate type of thing. Uh, but it just it's going to be tough for me to be the one to plan that. But uh, if some people want to get with me on it. Let's chat as we get closer to the season, and and maybe we can work some stuff out. So I think it'd be a lot of fun. I'd love to meet a lot of you, and and uh, it'd be fun to get together, talk some ball, and uh, and and have some some good food before the game. So anyway. Thanks for being with me. Before you leave, again, please hit the subscribe button. If you don't know where that is, it is right. You can always find it right here on the show, right here. You're going to have a little Irish breakdown thing right there. You just click on that to subscribe. Uh, Hit the like button to like this show. Appreciate that. If you like these shows, share them with your friends. Let your friends know about our channel. Let your friends know about irishbreakdown.com. If you want to read our written content, which I certainly appreciate, that helps support the channel. Um, if you go to any, if you look below in the uh, description below, I have a link to our daily newsletter almost every day. I didn't send one out today because I just didn't have a lot of stories to send out. And I was kind of busy last night and this morning getting the, getting the store going. Uh, so I didn't send one out. But almost every day you'll get a story that will have links to the st- stuff that we put out the day before. It's an easy way to get all that stuff in one place and to uh, and to look at it. And if you're listening via podcast, I would love it if you could hit a uh, give us a five star review. That also helps us to track and get in front of more people. So thanks again for everybody being with us today. I'll be back tonight at eight o'clock. We're going to talk Notre Dame cornerback board. So we're going to go over the, uh, the the top corners on the board. We're going to watch some film of players like Devin Moore, watch players like Benjamin Morrison. And of course, we're going to show film of Jade Mickey from his junior season, who is a commit to Notre Dame. Talk about the needs in the class. Talk about why they make take another bigger corner class after taking a bigger cornerback class last year. Uh, dive into what I look for at cornerback, all that good stuff. So it's going to be a lot of fun. So make sure that you check that out. Be with me tonight at 8 o'clock Eastern for that show. And then, of course, Vince will be back with us again tomorrow. And I'm trying to find a co-host to help me out with the mailbag on Friday because it's a lot more fun to do the show with somebody else than to do it solo. So, everybody, thanks for being with us. Talk to you all again very, very soon. Check out, share, talk, all that stuff about Irish Breakdown. And hopefully the merch store will be up very soon. And you guys can you guys and gals can get a peek of that.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.